Okay, hello and welcome to episode two of the Dimensional Cascade podcast coming at you from the dungeon in uh, Shoreline, Washington. Yes, it's called the dungeon. You can laugh. It's okay. I've been trying not to laugh this entire time. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so with me, I'm Aiden, and uh, with me in the room, I've got... Ricky. Tom. Taylor. And you can hear us all better than you could last time because I went and splurged on a whole bunch of microphones. So uh, hopefully it'll sound better, and hopefully Tom will not slurp into the microphone too much. (laughs) (laughs) you knew it was coming (laughs) it wasn't even me (laughs) (laughs) all right so uh this week uh we're going to cover some news and rumors uh from the world of warhammer uh the wider world of warhammer not just the games workshop side of things but uh, a few other bits and bobs uh we're going to go into the tournament zone we've got uh we want to do a quick roundup of of Sparkle Party Deathmatch 2. Quit touching your microphone. It's, I'm telling you, this thing is flaccid. <laughs> it's drooping again. It's drooping. He gets that a lot. Okay. You'll go blind. Yeah, I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna leave it. I'm just gonna. Just gonna leave it, and I'm when it gonna... touches the table, we'll figure it out. Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I thought this would keep. We were keeping this family style. Uh, if we haven't said anything that would get cut on Fox News on Fox News yet, so we're all good. We're all good. Uh, okay, so after we talk about some tournaments, we're going to go into our hobby section, where we're going to be talking about. There we go. It's it's good. We're going to be talking about uh, blending. Sure. Yeah, yeah, let's blend. Will it blend? That is the question. It's not something we do well as nerds. Uh, And then uh, in our... (laughs) Speak for yourself. I make a mean smoothie. In the Art of War, we'll go into talking about chaff. Um, And I think some of that's coming out of the uh, uh, tournament where where we were definitely against some opponents who had no clue about how to use chaff or what chaff was all about. News and rumors. Uh, let's uh, start off with uh, with a, a quick redux of, of the rumors that we talked about last time. We were right, or rather the internet informed us correctly, that uh, White Dwarf was coming to an end. Ricky, you broke it. Yay. Well done. <laughs> uh, if you haven't already bought a copy of Ricky's White Dwarf, go and buy it. <laughs> yeah, it'll only be on sale for another day or two, probably. Yeah, mm-hmm. actually, I should go get one. I know you bought five, but uh, you probably want to keep some of yeah, them. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna cut up a couple of them to do a framing. Tiffany wants to frame them. Yeah, I want to put them up here on the on the wall of wall of awesomeness behind me. Um, uh, there's a few things up there just to cover up the wood panels, so <laughs> I need to get more on there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, White Dwarf's becoming a weekly magazine, and Warhammer Visions is be- is the new monthly. Were you subscribed to White Dwarf, Ricky? Mm. I was, but my uh, my uh, subscription actually expired in December. So the issue that I was in was one I had to drive over to uh, Factorium buy. Mm. So it actually kind of worked out great because now. Now you're not subscribed to Warhammer Visions? I'm right. not subscribed to whatever it is now, and yeah, I can yeah. make that decision. White Dwarf subscriptions apparently roll over into Warhammer Visions yeah. subscriptions, okay. which yeah. seems like an odd choice. because It, that's... it does, because the Warhammer Visions <laughs> seems more like a, like a coffee table book. Like it's a real collector's of, kind of thing. Yeah. It, it, uh, so, so if you haven't already, oh, pardon me, if you haven't already heard uh, or read the the Warhammer Visions magazine is is going to be painting, uh, showcasing 
uh, painted models. So um, from from what I can tell, it's it's really artwork focused, mm -hmm. and I guess that makes sense from the name of it. Mm -hmm. But for the White Dwarf to roll into being that as your subscription, I I mean, if I was a subscriber, I would actually be pretty annoyed. About I, that. I think I'd be pretty annoyed too. Um, yeah. I'm the opposite. I would rather have the <clears throat> coffee table book that showcases models than the the sales piece. Oh well, so so let's talk about White Dwarf then. From the sounds of that, it looks like the new White Dwarf supplement. It's only going to be thirty or so pages uh -huh. every week. Um, there, while it's going to have some of the new models, and I agree, I, I don't want to pay to look at new yeah. models. Um, <clears throat> uh, the uh, general rumor consensus, and, and I think we're like a day away from it being in the stores, is I've that... actually read a full breakdown by somebody who, oh, who had have? it in their hands oh, and Tom, broke down. I, the, I, uh... I pass you the conch. <laughs> yeah. Well, so a lot of it is um, focused on the new dwarfs, obviously. Yeah. Um, there's a lot a long painting section about dwarfs. There's actually rules in it for a character that won't be in the dwarf army book. The rules will only appear in White Dwarf. I think that's something that's they're going to cool. start doing that's more often now. Good. Rules for characters. A or reason to buy magic the weapons. Yeah. A reason to buy it. And um, then there's a, a tactics thing for 40k. About, You're still not going to uh, get a dispel scroll, Taylor. <laughs> there's going to be no supplement that says demons take a dispel scroll. Yeah, but I might get like a special character that's like Slanish. Because right now it's the only one that doesn't have one. Uh, yeah, besides well, the, besides mask. the mask. There's no Lord level characters. The mask of Please Shoot Me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the mask of Flashdance. What the? Yeah. You should totally get a Flashdance character. Painted up. <laughs> Jumpsuit. Anyway, sorry. Back, back. Yeah, and then some 40k topic. stuff about tactics for fighting against the new Tyranids. Um, okay. So apparently, a pretty low portion of the magazine is devoted to just kind of catalog stuff. Um, so that cool. that sounds good. I mean, for four bucks, I I would probably spring for a copy of that. I think I'm planning on buying the first few editions just yeah. to see what it's like. See what it's like. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Cool. All right, so uh, that leads us actually nicely onto the new dwarfs. So I've seen some spoiled pictures. I don't know if uh, if any. If, um, obviously, Tom, you have. I've seen uh, a lot of pictures. Have yeah. you seen any of them yet, Ricky? No, I only saw the the cover that was on the White Dwarf daily announcement for. Uh, I guess he was a special character. He looks yeah, like he would be a battle standard. He is the guy who Pretty has cool. the uh, the Pretty new cool. rules in White Dwarf. Actually, yeah. I ho I hope he's a plastic <clears throat> kid and not a fine cast. He is. There, yeah, there, plastic, are, yeah. plastic okay, there are no fine cast or metal releases oh, scheduled for February. Is from, uh, I've seen the release schedule that they've sent out to the game stores, and it's all it's all plastic or is uh, fine cast being phased out altogether? I should well, hope so. I think said. so because yeah. seeing as they're yeah. going to merge more integratively with uh, Forge World now. Yeah. Apparently, yeah. Forge World stuff is going to start to be sold on GW's website, oh. and they're going to come together. So. I don't think Finecast was ever intended to be anything more than kind stuff of a band-aid. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So. Yeah, so <clears throat> so I think the miniatures, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of dwarf miniatures. Oh, I'm a big dwarf fan. Uh, I love them. Yeah. And these, <laughs> these new models... Yeah. You like, like them? I think they're fantastic. Oh, man. So, so, the, <laughs> so we should say first off that the kind of new thing with this uh, dwarf release is that they're spreading it out in little dribs and drabs across the month to kind of coincide with the new weekly yeah. white dwarf. There's going to be a new release each week that will be featured in, in that week's white dwarf. Um, so this first week, um, where there's going to be 
I think, four releases for the dwarfs, or maybe three. There's that the character okay. that you saw on the front of the white dwarf. Um, there's a dragon slayer character who looks badass. Sweet. Um, a few people are complaining online that he looks too, like, ninja dude style for a slayer. He's, like, jumping off a rock. He's swinging axes. He looks crazy, awesome. but he, yes. yeah. <laughs> he looks really awesome. He well, this is my like, biggest uh, complaint uh, about dwarf models in <clears throat> general is that they're, they, static, they're yeah. very static. Mm. They're very blocky. You know, if you look at the core troops and so forth, it, it's it's a block of, of beard yeah. and an arm. Yeah. Right. This is yeah. all you've got. So it Metal doesn't matter. Beard, but it doesn't matter big. how creative yeah. you want to be. This is this is how your, your army's gonna so look. So you so the big release this month is the dual kit of hammers and long beards. Oh perfect. Yep. And that probably wouldn't be a cup of tea then. It, it's kind of static. It's a mm. lot of metal, a lot of beard, but they look the faces are awesome. They look like grim determined awesome. good, warriors good. yeah those I are uh, that's where the the old ones fell down is you know you had <clears> to <throat> if you wanted long beards that looked cool you had to buy the old metal ones mm. and those were pretty expensive off of ebay and then if you wanted the uh um, hammers you had yeah it was the same thing you had to buy like sixth edition metals or they fifth edition metals well, they were all right? the same pose mm. or you had to convert them all and it just I started converting them, and I was just like, uh, you know, I'm over it. I'm going to go play some other army until they redo this stuff. So that's really exciting. I'm, I'm happy to hear so it. So when I saw the new longbeards, I thought they must be ironbreakers, actually, because they're so armored, so yeah. like bulky looking. So apparently longbeards now have the uh, Gromwell armor Perfect. with Good. a shield, so a three-up save. Ugh. And the new ironbreakers, when, they're gonna c- when they come out, are going to be a two-up save. Oh, that perfect. That's the rumor. So they're going to be like uh. an immovable rock perfect good yeah, good it's great yeah. yeah so i mean for me i really want to see what they do to address the mobility side of things right you know that's mm. that that's i think the biggest complaint uh, that people have against playing dwarves um as a player or playing against dwarves is right. it, you're kind of like a hedgehog it's right you got one special move and your tactic yeah. is to castle up yeah blast much. away and yeah then and shut down their magic your phase. forward as soon as you're yeah. within range yeah, so um, I really hope that they're able to do something about it uh, and make it not only more interesting to play against, but give more variation in the possible tactics that you can have as a dwarf player. Yeah, mm-hmm. when I played them, you you could do mobility, but you had to build the list for mobility. If you were just kind of doing an all-comers list, you might have a few units that could be mobile and then a couple that weren't. And so it just became, yeah, it can feel pretty flat it's hard to to move if there's a scenario that forces you to and you know have that versatility so yeah that'll be cool mm-hmm. okay so uh forge world have also released a dwarf command group i don't uh, know if you're aware of that yeah I, I actually have um one of those at home uh i never i never actually opened the blister but the models a, are insane is it one of them is a slayer character? yeah one's a slayer yeah, a battle mm-hmm. standard and uh is the other one just a lord was yeah. that last year that they released that yeah that was last year probably about a year ago okay and i think it was for their uh blackfire pass they were starting to build up to that and i don't know whatever happened to that book because i i had heard rumors that it was supposed to be out october or november of this last year you know, still hasn't surfaced still hasn't shown up and so that could potentially show up uh you know if if what we're hearing about the forge world models uh being on the games workshop website mm-hmm. uh, if that actually turns out to be true you know this could be uh you know 
week one is, you know, the Longbeards and week two is whatever else. And then maybe like week six is, oh, the Blackfire Pass supplement or something. Yeah, it could lines. be. Yeah, it could also come out like uh, like they did with what's that Sigmar's Blood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I could see I could see GW actually publishing it, but I was hoping it would be another one of the big faux leather bound books yeah. like the Tom Rickon book because that's well, really a cool tune. What I heard was that everyone in Forge World is working on the Horus Heresy stuff. Yeah. So yeah. Um, yeah. it keeps them pretty busy, and that's where the money comes from as well. I <clears> think, yeah. For yeah. Well, yeah. We all <laughs> we all know, right? The thirty percent Space Marine number. But I think yeah. it, even for Forge World, it's even more towards forty k. Is where they get their money yeah. from. Don't they produce? Well, let's not go into that. <laughs> anyway, so um, all right, so that's that's dwarves. Um, well, it, uh, do we do do we want to talk quickly about this uh, special character who the dwarves get? He has some pretty uh, awesome rules. We do one one second. <laughs> I will say that that uh, Games Workshop used to release everything weekly before. Hmm. So at least when I was working for them, we used to get like. Um, a box in every week of all of our uh, stuff that we'd re- reordered to restock the store. And we'd also get another box of the new releases. Hmm. Um, so even though in the magazine it would say, come, you know, coming this month, mm-hmm. they would actually be interspersed weekly. And I think that was to get people to come back in the store. Yeah. Right. And, and they've obviously gone away from that. And now they're like, well, let's go back to it. So, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I think it's a good <clears throat> idea. You know, when you think about it, it's a very social hobby. A lot of uh, what we do is is interacting with other nerds who like to talk about the same stuff, right? Yeah. Uh, and sit around in front of microphones and do the same thing. <laughs> but uh, the interesting thing is not relief releasing the army books straight away with the new models. So they're releasing a bunch of new models, and nobody really knows if they want them because how good are they going to be in the new book? I don't think that's true. I think everybody who likes dwarfs is going to want them. We'll just buy I the mean, models. you're yeah. going to buy the models. You're going to buy the models. <laughs> I mean, if I like, but how do you know whether to build them as iron breakers or hammers, or, uh, long beards I, wait, or hammers? I'm going to do both. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do both. And, and if you're not going to do both, you can fawn over them for a couple of weeks until the book comes out. You know? I know you could just sit there and clip them all out, them out clean up all the mold lines, lines, and just be ready to assemble once you see the rules. That's it. Go, go, ready, go. set, go. go. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, it is another one of those kits where it's you know fifty bucks and you essentially get two units apart from torsos. Yeah. So fifty bucks so, for ten again. Fifty bucks for ten. Yeah. And that's the way they're going. The heads, the all the arms and weapons are completely different between the hammers and so you're probably beards, looking so at you're really three hundred dollars to have right two units of them. Yeah. If they would just release a, an add-on kit, which is just the extra bits you need to build your second unit uh, for just 20 bucks or something that, that would, would be, be really good it would yeah. be incredible and it would make people a lot happier with gw well one of the things that taylor and i were talking about during the week is uh it would be great if they just made the core troops for every army cheap mm. and then if they charge me more for specials and rares and mm-hmm. heroes and all that true, sort of stuff because once you get into it you're kind of prepared you know if there's a well, big long, long beards and hammers are special and they probably will be in this one but yeah i agree the the core should be mm. yeah Be- because when you think mm. about it i mean you already feel like you're paying a core tax in points a lot of the time yeah. <laughs> i mean not if you're wood elves but i mean if, for yeah. all the other armies yeah um and so here you are shelling out money to paint big units that you don't really want to take mm. a lot of the time um 
and then you spend a long time painting them and and really what you want to be doing is painting the really cool stuff instead mm-hmm. um so anyway unless that's, you're me then, then you're crazy and like painting. you just love painting <laughs> loads and loads of tiny little guys <laughs> I, I i'm a lot like you Ricky, yeah. I'm afraid. <laughs> but you kind of have to be to be a wood elf player because all your best stuff's in core anyway it's true um okay so let's talk about uh the special character then okay belagar iron hammer he's the uh dwarf king of karak somewhere karak and <laughs> karak Angkor, maybe something like that karak someplace yeah but yeah he, his rules are only in white dwarf so if you're a dwarf player you got to pick up this white dwarf to use this guy and i would recommend it because he's a beast he has all the all the kind of dwarf king stats you'd expect so is that the lord um, level he's a lord level all the all the lord level dwarf stats you'd expect weapon skill eight which i think is a little higher nice yeah yeah He's stubborn, so he'll put him in a big, fat unit of uh, mm-hmm. long beards or something, yeah. and they're just gonna last the entire game. He's got a two-up armor. Nice. Is that what is that magical armor, or is I it... think it's just whatever is gonna be the top level of dwarf armor this time is gonna yeah. just give a free up, and then a shield so, is so, gonna be. So Grumrill gives a. Up normally, yeah, but I think there's going to be something along the lines of granite armor, something like that, that will give a three up. So cool, and that's what the iron breakers will have. Yeah, we used to be able to do the rune to increase it by one, Mm. and you could have that was the only rune you could have in the army uh, multiples of was that that one rune of piss me off it was like rune of stone i think i think it was rune of stone in the current book you could have multiples of whatever you want right well master runes you can only have one per army but then you could only have one dispel scroll rune that well there's some runes like like, some some rune there's a lot of rules on runes but like i guess on armor you could only have one um one armor rune on a piece of armor unless it was that rune of stone then you could mm-hmm. add it i think is okay. what it was I, it's been a while since i've built an army or a dwarf army so i, I could be totally wrong we're probably going to piss off a lot of people here but <laughs> i think it's been a while since anyone's yeah. built a dwarf army yeah. which is kind of the point right, yeah. right. so so, so okay, on, okay, okay, on top set. of in t- on top of making your army a leadership 10 stubborn anvil he's kind of a beast in combat as well he has the hammer of angrund which is plus one to wound, Ooh. which is pretty great. It's better What's his than strength. His strength four. Okay. But this makes him better than strength five because it means maximum yeah. he's wound. He's wounding on a five, five max, yeah. which yeah. is great uh, mm-hmm. with four attacks. It makes him uh, ASF as well. Ooh. He's For initiative four. So against a lot of rank and file, he's yeah. going to be re-rolling yeah, those attacks. Rank and file, yeah. Yeah. But but even. Well, the nice thing is having ASF, it means it cancels out anyone else's rerolls, right? Right. So against any of the elves or anyone else. Yeah, demon so he'll be nice in a ASF. challenge against an elf. Who yeah. Would, yeah. Who would so the elf that. will still go first, but won't get right. to re-roll. Right. Mm-hmm. re-roll. And yeah. you're not going to do wounds against this guy. So he, as well as that. Taylor's looking confused. So if, if both models have ASF, you go in initiative order. Yeah. And nobody gets a reroll. Okay, so you're just confused for some other reason. No, I was thinking if you could stack it with hatred and I then get the reroll anyways. I think he's just but got gas. Yeah, but this guy's going to be rerolling against everything initiative four <laughs> or lower, which is yeah, most things most, really, yeah. apart from elves and war- elves warriors and of demons. chaos. Yeah, yeah. So he's going to be rerolling a lot. 
Um, you're not going to wound him because that he's got that two-up armor and his shield of defiance gives him a four-up ward and immunity to kill and blow. Oh, so yeah. nice. Really good. Guess and then, I'm buying the new white dwarf. <laughs> <laughs> and then here's the really awesome thing. Is he awesome tough five, thing. then? Tough five, Okay, yeah. all right. Here's the awesome thing. Revenge Incarnate is a special rule. Once per game, in a combat phase, he gets to double his attacks in that combat phase. Ooh, so so in attacks. one phase, he's going to be doing eight attacks that wound everything on a 5-up, probably on a 4-up or a 3-up even, with oh. ASF. Yeah. This guy is a beast. What? How many points? How many points, yeah. Uh, that, I want you to guess. So he's a lord-level character. Lord-level, so three wounds. 170. No, he's... Your I, guess see, I assume everything really is super low. You, <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. I mean, given a dwarf, a dwarf skin is like 120 yeah. naked, and oh, add up okay. all yeah. these things he's gotten stubborn. I would say... saves. Like if if he's under two fifty, I'll be surprised. He's not under two fifty. Okay, good. He's three. He's three oh five, okay. which I think is fair. I actually went through and added up these kind of things, like you know, stubborn, given the crown of command, yeah. kind of yeah. add up what you would want to pay for each of these abilities, and I think it's fair. Yeah, I think so that's that's not. He's too by bad. no means an auto take, but he'll no. be a cool character to kind of build an it's, army. Yeah, around. it's just expensive enough that it's prohibitive. But if you put him in an army, then he's going to hold that army yeah. together. So, right. so, so that means he can go in even like twelve hundred and fifty point battles. Um, yeah, which is interesting. Oh, yeah, with leadership ten too. Yeah, leadership and practically stubborn. unkillable. Twelve fifty, he would be practically <laughs> unkillable. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, interesting. <clears throat> cool. That yeah. does sound cool. And it's just going to give that one, you know, say you put him in an anvil unit of longbeards or something, that special rule you have is just going to give them huge punch in one yeah. kind of key combat phase. Yeah, that's eight attacks. That's something that they always lacked was, you know, you could have an, an anvil unit, but you just, like, it's couldn't just gonna, cut your way out. Exactly. You're, like, well, sitting there sit swinging there strength three uh, dwarves. That, that's and, the problem with dwarves in general yeah. is that they're all anvils and no hammer. Right, right? yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so having somebody like that to really hit back is going to yeah. be good. Yeah. Or your hammers, I mean, were comparatively And I think this fragile, is kind of like the problem with dwarfs, right? why it's so tempting to kind of sit back with the artillery and pound away. Um, it, is that in, like they're all right in combat, but they lack the kind of units that can go one-on-one -on -one with kind of warriors units or yeah. even beastmen units. Yeah. My beastmen would always hack dwarfs up in combat. They yeah. just had nothing that could really go toe to toe mm -hmm. and so the temptation is always just blow as much up as you can with artillery yeah and yep. sit back all right so yeah cool all right so that's uh i think now that's the dwarf so i think we've talked okay. about yeah, dwarfs, maybe <laughs> cool uh okay so <clears throat> one brief mention um looks like wood elves are going to be coming in may Pretty excited about that. Yeah. Boo. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, my dwarves will be ready to stomp you then. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, uh, we'll cover that more as we get as we get closer, and there starts to be some some reasonable rumors about it. But I'm pretty excited. Uh, so other stuff that's interesting: um, the Creature Caster Kickstarter. Uh, this is the guy who founded Ultra Forge. And he went and he, he sold Ultraforge and went back to school to learn how to be a digital sculptor because he was a, a, mm -hmm. a, a, I don't know what, what you call the opposite of a digital sculptor. It's not an analog. It's not yeah. an analog <laughs> sculptor. Analog. Yeah. Uh, traditional. Okay. Traditional, yeah, I guess. Manual sculptor. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and um, he has created a Kickstarter. There's a bunch of different models on there. They look amazingly sweet. Have you guys seen them? Yeah, yeah all of them look like 
Are there any really original ones on there, or do they all look like they're filling some kind of GW niche? They are entirely filling GW yeah, niches. Exactly. There is no. I doubt guess that's about the way it. to make the money. Yeah. Uh, but, for yeah. a Kickstarter, absolutely, yeah. it's the right thing to do. Yeah. So, so I, I don't remember all of them, but I believe there was one greater demon for each of the four yeah. different gods. Yeah. I think there were three dragons. There were uh, at least two. There were two dragons. Yeah. Two dragons. There I was, know for sure two dragons. There was a tree man. There was a demon prince looking guy or Balrog looking guy uh-huh. or I don't know. Um, <laughs> were there any others? I think that was about it. I think, I think there was it. only about eight to ten. Eight to ten, yeah. So I need to see these. Yeah, the yeah. Uh, the Zinch. <laughs> I love the the Zinch. Um, I guess what what is that Lord of I Change? Lord of yeah. Change. Yeah. Oh, it's so looks cool. kind of classic bird oh no big skinny bird no yeah yeah but they got the he did the vulture oh, okay. like like effect perfectly it's just mm-hmm. really All right, so, beautiful so and the, the it's cool a thing... vulture demon is what it's officially called mm-hmm. <laughs> and i got the picture of it right here yeah and the vulture um, demon of change the cool thing that he did with the dragons is the dragons have basically like a little chariot that sits on the back like it's strapped on the back oh so you can just put a character yeah in there so you can put choosing. the character in there and there's actually a recess to have like a 20 mil or i, I think even 25 mil base that slots right in there so you can pop stuff on and off yeah, yeah, it's really rad. smart. Given how long it's been since GW have updated their greater demons, those are going to be mighty tempting. Oh to yeah, man! To, I want to get to one of this. the dragons. It's it's so cool. Yeah, I saw so, the Sun Ash one. She yeah. looked pretty. Yeah, pretty yeah so they have an emperor dragon and a mountain dragon. And yeah, there's there's yeah. the whole page right there. So no, this is terrible podcasting. But while the, guy, <laughs> while the guys are, are, we all just want to look at some eye candy. Are, are drilling Plastic over the eye crack, candy. Yeah. Um, oh, bloodthirster. Yeah, good child, look at that bloodthirster. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Who's that? Taylor, Who's that can't hear a word you're saying. Goat demon guy. The goat demon. Let me see here. Top right. Top is right. That? The pincer demon. Oh. Yeah. He's, I don't know that is. I think he's kind of a cross slanesh-y. between a corn and a slanesh thing. I think he can nice. kind of play in either way. Slanesh has some pincers. Yeah, I think it's kind of slanesh. He looks like he's got big, uh, yeah. big mm. rock lobster. pincer things. Yeah, so rock is, lobster. is this a Kickstarter that's funded now, or is it, it still no, possible it to get on it? No, it, it hasn't actually kicked off. Yeah. Um, it so hasn't it, kickstarted? It hasn't kickstarted. It starts on February 1st. Shut up and take my money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so there's a, if you go to creaturecaster.com, uh, you can you can check out all of the digital sculpts and. Uh, so are they, is he producing those ones that we looked at? Yeah, they're uh, producing those already. I think that's the no, they're not producing any. Oh, okay. That's a digital sculpt. Okay. Um, he's so done, these are the ones you're funding him to. Produce. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And gotcha. he's done uh, um, a few 3D prints to to kind of uh, showcase what it's all what he's capable of doing and so they look really good yeah so pretty excited to see that um you know having just bought the ultra forge tree woman i'm not sure i want it well maybe i will get a fourth tree man (laughs) he has a tree man Mm -hmm. um he looks very kind of entish old Mm -hmm. man of the forest almost like beard like yeah um and of course yeah well everything looks better than the games workshop tree man in my opinion so um i don't know we'll see how much the kickstarter is because so you can get that one and then gw will bring out a new tree man plastic kit so you can get five tree tree man well allegedly the rumor is it's going to be a tree man uh and a tree man special character dual kit Mm. so yeah yeah anyway not talking about wood elves stop it (laughs) (laughs) all right
the tournament zone. Let's see, a couple of weeks ago, when was it? Uh, January 12th. So, wow, it's actually 18 days now. We what? meant to do this the week after, <laughs> and then something happened. it was happened. still fresh. And then we went to do it the week after that, and something happened. Yeah. Damn you, real life! Um, okay, so Sparkle Party Deathmatch 2, The Watchtower of Doom. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, if that is your real name. Yeah. <laughs> that is your real name. We had a, a bunch of predictions about how we were going to do and, and how what our tactics were going to be like and and uh, and so forth. Um, how did how did it work out for you guys? Well, how many players did we have in the tournament total? 20? Uh, we ended up with 26 26 players. players. Uh, and that included nice. the alt. Okay. Who actually <laughs> took fourth place. So yeah. In the, in the <laughs> <Ringer. general. laughs> I know. Yeah, so. Okay, so so tw- uh, twenty six players. Um, so we had uh, there were there was uh, go. Can you run through the prizes that we had, and we'll we'll go through who won oh, what. Yeah. So let's see. We had uh, twenty six players, uh, which was great. Um, it was pretty good attendance. Uh, the the first sparkle party we had uh, nineteen players show up, and I threw in for an even twenty. Um, so, so the nerds were wake, yeah, working their yeah. way out. Yeah, so we're getting gradually. we're getting more people out. Um, so we had uh, that we had categories of best overall, uh, best painted, uh, best general, um, and then we did the uh, favorite opponent as well, and then we also had a bunch of spot prizes, uh, and then uh, dimensional cascade. Um, as an aspect of that, we gave out um, large blast templates that were uh, etched with the Dimensional Cascade uh, magic. Circle cir- of Magic. Circle logo of Magic. Sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, like it's all the, the icons. logo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, we gave those out to anybody who got a, a Dimensional they, Cascade. They were so, so popular. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so hard. Yeah. Yep. Fifteen yeah. times, I threw six dice. Yeah, in three yeah. games, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, did you did you take that? that was a lot of six did you take though. that gift that allowed you to reroll the wins of magic? Maybe, maybe. <laughs> maybe I was bit. really trying. <laughs> you were really I was tra- really trying. <laughs> Good for you. I miscast once. Yeah, which I think is also impressive. Out of fifteen. Out of yeah. fifteen. Yeah. yeah. It was a beautiful template, so a nice little bonus to somebody who just lost their 400-point character or something. Yeah. Oh, I did that. Like, oh, good. Yeah. I did that. I but no myself, template. Killed no myself template? with the uh, purple sun. Okay. Oh. Mi- yep, miscast mm. my artillery die, and then it uh. stayed put, and it killed my demon prince. It was yeah. red. I would I argue that that could be dimensional cascade. I tried. No, 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 no. It's got to be dimensional. So and right. the funny thing is um, we had, was it two or three people that got two of them? Yeah. And everybody else who was trying hard as they could to get them, nice. couldn't get them. And then um, there were a couple dwarf players there, and they bo- but they both had the anvil. And so I said if they were if they blew the anvil up that they could get one too because mm. they were like, hey, what about us? We're dwarves. We're dwarves. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, that was, I thought that was pretty fun and I think people really enjoyed enjoyed it and it definitely helped kind of lighten the mood when it came to, you know, getting that <laughs> that wicked I might have gotten one in my last game if the dwarves weren't stealing all my power dice. Yeah. If, it, if it hadn't been for you meddling kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those meddling dwarves. So, um, uh, and uh, I think we were going to offer to uh, to buy those for, or you know, if people want to buy those, they can uh, let us know, and we'll do an order to um, order up some more. 
Um, so if people want to do that, uh, I'm not going to give those away though. Now you got to, you're gonna have to pay for him this <laughs> he's time. got us hooked yeah. now he's uh, raising the price yeah. uh, some of the spot First prizes we we did for um i actually had the worst general and then the uh all the awards were given a small blast template and the the least uh the worst general got one that says uh, i blame the dice um that was kind of a fun one uh i didn't do a least painted this time um yeah, I think we we ran through a lot of the spot prizes, like yeah. what they were going to be um, in the in the previous podcast. What I wanted to do though is just go through kind of um, who who won what. Just who give a bit of a okay. give a bit of a shout out to the, the yeah. folks yeah. in the shout local out community. to the big winners. Yeah, yeah let's see. I'll so our to... best general, first of all, was uh, Zach. Yeah, it was Zach. Uh, yeah, Zach. He was what? best general and best and best overall, overall with the ogres. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you you played against him. Was he running a very kind of a Netlisty ogre list, or was it a little uh, different? I, I, I thought uh, I thought his list was fine. He had uh, he had a horde of bulls um, mm-hmm. with a front three in the front row. Where his um, he had like a level two caster, a BSB, and a tyrant. Mm-hmm. So he only ran a level two caster in the whole army. So, so it was a very combat, mm-hmm. very combat army. Mm-hmm. Uh, then he had a unit of man eaters who had the vanguard rule and i want to say stubborn Mm. because they can pick their special rules um he had a unit of um uh the lead belchers okay and uh he had a thunder tusk no yes thunder tusk Tusk, mornfang a unit of mornfang (laughs) uh which was i think the only unit i managed to kill (laughs) and (laughs) and um the iron blaster Mm. So uh, yeah, my game I lost to him uh, uh, um, <coughs> twenty-five to nothing. Um, <laughs> so really, what happened there? Um, I think a couple of bad things. Uh, positioned my my big unit of archers poorly and and missed a, a a terrible overrun that he he could have made and did make and smushed my archer unit and basically lost all my points. I had two tree men on the board at the end of the game. Unsurprisingly, <laughs> they're hard to kill. Um, the the noteworthy thing. For the Mornfang, they were charging in the flank of my archers when they hit the forest. And I'd already done one wound to them. They took two wounds from uh, dangerous. dangerous terrain and then panicked and f- <laughs> fled towards the board edge. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> running away from the forest. And then <laughs> and then both tree men uh, double charged them the next turn and they fled off the board. Nice. Uh, nice. It was, yeah, it was pretty funny. Glorious. That was the only thing I did of Glorious. value in that, in that whole <laughs> that whole game. Cling on to that one bit of glory. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, so Zach was number one. Zach was number and one. And his army was really well paid. Yeah, so, so that's what nice. claimed yeah. Yeah. best yeah. overall for him as oh, well. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's a, he's a really prolific painter. I think... I think um, over the years I've known him, he's painted every army that they've made. And are you has, kidding? No, I'm not. Whoa. Yeah, he's at least painted I think at least two thousand points of every army. He he's doesn't always keep them. He trades them off to get okay. models for the next ones. But yeah, he he's a good good painter, good player. Um, next was Riley, and he actually played mm. with dwarves. Yeah, um, he was next in overall. Anime. Yeah, you guys I'm, both I'm played against Riley, didn't yeah. you? Uh, yeah, he was next in best general, and he got second in overall as well. Yeah, so sorry. Go ahead, Taylor. Oh, I played against him first. Um, it was a good match. I made a bunch of mistakes that, in hindsight, I could have avoided, but it was just not knowing. And mm-hmm. he's a good player, so he caught the mistakes and yeah, he's an like, old vet. Capitalized. Yeah. 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 <laughs> 
yeah. mercilessly. Yeah, it took down my demon prince as it bounced out of the tower. And then, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. That basically cost it. And Tom, you guys were playing, I think, yeah, on, I played on table the, two. At on the, the last game, last I guess, game. at that yeah. point, we were number three and four in the game point rankings. Um, and it was a relatively close game. It so ended you up, took Chaos um, Dwarfs, right? I took the Chaos Dwarfs, yep. So it was a dwarf-on-dwarf -dwarf grudge match. <laughs> I ended up taking the tower and holding it for the whole game and getting all the points for that. Um, but it was just a kind of bad matchup for me in terms of his artillery far outshone mm -hmm. my artillery. I had three artillery pieces. He had five, which were much more accurate due to dwarf trickery re-rolling everything. <laughs> so he just knocked all of my artillery off the board turn one and then blew up most of my army while I hid in the tower. Uh, <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, third place in best general was Byron with his warriors. Mm -hmm. He played yeah. against Zach, didn't he, at the end? Uh, yeah, he played Zach at the end. They were table one, and mm -hmm. and he lost. A brutal that. game. Yeah, from what I saw. Yeah, I don't think there were very many models left on the battlefield <laughs> at the yeah. end of that one. Um, and he also played against. Um, he played against a mono corn demon army. Oh yeah, yeah and it looks pretty sweet though. Yeah, it did. I mean, I think that one player's choice. Um, yeah, for for army. <laughs> that was. <laughs> And, Despite uh, the complete lack of basing. Yeah, that's right. But you know what? They looked nice. Even, did, even with just the black faces, it kind nice of fit. Because his display board was just yeah. black, kind of shiny mm -hmm. surface. Yeah. To me, it kind of looked models. like it was yeah. demons kind of walking through the void. Yeah, that was Eris. Yeah. Um, yeah. He actually uh, is the manager of the Factoria store. So yeah. If you oh, ever nice. go out that way, you can talk to him. He's got a lot of armies out there. The The cool thing about that army that I don't think most people realize is um, everything but the blood letters was a complete conversion. And not just like a weapon swap or something like that. Like he was. There was a lot of intense stuff. A lot stuff. of intense oh, yeah. conversions on there. Mm -hmm. And so I. I think that's what got him player's choice because I think the people who did know the the demon models uh, saw that and were like, oh, wow, he really did He had, did he some had work. Um, two units of dragon ogres. Mm -hmm. on the, the, he was running those as something else, I take it. Demons don't have dragon ogres, right? Correct. We don't, oh, yeah, he was using those as blood crushers. Yeah, as blood, blood crushers, crushers, okay. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, it looked awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, Byron, Byron came in third with warriors. Yeah, and then... Cool. Um, I'll just run down the the next uh, three people um, in best general, uh, which uh, fourth place was Michael, who again was the alt player, and uh, with Empire, yeah, with the Empire, and he's been uh, he's relatively new to the game, so this was pretty good showing for him. Um, then came Garrett, and he was playing with his uh, forest goblins, <laughs> and uh, you played against Garrett. Yep, yeah. I think his snotlings gave you a hard time. <laughs> I, won't, I won't comment on that but the snotlings weren't the problem yeah um, i don't think you even touched the snotlings the whole game did you me yeah i killed pretty much all of them oh did you okay yeah he got him into the tower though right or no no no, no. that's my, the one game he my, didn't my get beast of nurgle stopped him and then he just couldn't do anything to the beast oh, of, of nurgle not. at all not with yeah. snotlings yeah. Yeah. um and my then my, my hand sculpted beast of nurgle oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah that seems pretty sweet blob of play-doh and yeah. then uh, number <laughs> six uh best general tom yeah Yay. Yay. number six one of us had to do it yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like that you read the top six just so that <laughs> yeah, I did. Not I, like I had to throw five. you a bone. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, then we'll go. We can uh, talk about best painted. Um, sure. So 
best painted actually was a tie for first and um, it was between Aiden and Amanda and uh, when I wrote the rules pack uh, the person who had painted the most models um, I, I, ironically that. we talked about this exact yeah. situation yeah yeah so it's exactly what we said in the first um, in the first podcast was oh if uh, you know somebody who painted a, a hundred slaves then they're gonna win and yeah she was playing skaven and, and so, she painted a hundred slaves yeah, and so she had a she <coughs> cheated had a, me a, no no yeah i actually voted for hers in my player's choice yeah, you know, yeah. i thought her army looked really great it did yeah. look great yeah. and i like that she had like if you looked at her bases um on the movement trays mm-hmm. um she had she had uh, like little snow patches on the on the uh, on the display board, mm-hmm. and they they continued through the mm. the movement tray and and out the other side of the movement tray uh, onto the the display board again. It looked really nice. Yeah, yeah. She she was um, one of the I, I well I didn't get to go, but she's the one that won first place um, on Armies of Parade this last year. Oh, okay. So she's the one that gave me her ticket to go to, uh, oh, to nice. with that army. No, with, um, she did a carnival of chaos, which was really cool. Um, I've only ever seen like really, really kind of low res pictures on Facebook of it. And I, I want to get huh. her to show it to me. Sometime. See if we can get her to bring it to the yeah. next one. Yeah. It'd be really cool. Um, right. and then, so, um, that leaves Aiden who took second place. Yay. Yay. <laughs> with his wood elves. And then third place uh, for best paint was Eric with the the, the corn demon army. Demon army. Yeah. Um, he actually, um, I think, where he lost some points was on his bases. I gave him points for um, having them like based because having them painted black with the blackboard was a, a conscious decision. Um, but he didn't get any of the bonus points for it, yeah. and he knew that. But he made up for it with his player choice votes. You know, he got eight players choice votes, which um, yep. the max that could roll over of that was five. So he ended up getting twenty-four total paint points and, mm-hmm. and nice. getting third place. <clears throat> so, yeah, cool. it just goes to show that you, if you don't excel in one part, you can still make it up in others, and and that's kind of what I wanted to happen. Um, so then the overall was, um, again, Zach, uh, took best overall, um, Riley took, uh, second, uh, Aiden got third. Yay. Yay. <laughs> then we Fame had, again. I got third again. Yeah. Cause yeah. I got that in the first one too. Um, then it came down to Jeff. Um, who does, what does four. Jeff play with? Uh, what was Jeff playing? <coughs> I don't remember. It was he the guy that dimensionally cascaded twice. He was. I think yeah. he was playing orcs and goblins. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he was. And then, um, and then Jesse, Jesse come came fifth overall. Nice. Yeah, cool. with uh, his skaven. With his yeah. skaven. Yeah. Very nice. Real nice. Yeah, a lot of that was uh, good paint points too. So. Yeah. yeah, it makes a big difference. Yeah, it really does. I'm like, I'm not that good a general. I got to have a fully painted army. I got to get all the possible points I can <laughs> going into it. Yeah. So. Late um, nights painting elves. I yes. think it was pretty fun. Um, I see green people. Like <laughs> Riley, Riley kind of dominated Sparkle Party one, and you got third in the first one, and you got third in this one as yeah. well. So yeah. um, we're definitely seeing a, a pattern form here. Um, yeah, it would have been, been cool if Riley had played uh, Zach at some point. That would be a good game. Yeah, that would have been a good matchup. Yeah. Really good well, game. that actually leads us <laughs> on to um, SPDM three 
because one of the things that you introduced with this one was the ability to grudge oh. your first opponent. Mm -hmm. Now, nobody did because... Uh, I wanted to grudge Jesse just to do it. Just just because. Just because. Just, just so he could he could beat me this time. Yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah. Because I'm pretty sure he would have taken me. You think so? Pretty, yeah. Um, I wasn't playing Epi. But, but it, we do get the opportunity to grudge our first opponent in the next one. Yeah. Um, so the next um, Sparkle Party is going to be in... April, yeah. April but before we Is, talk about that, yeah. I, I would just like to know what everybody kind of thought about the scenario in general. Just a quick recap. Oh yeah, we haven't we haven't really gone through <laughs> that. A... So I thought it worked really well. Um, I mean, it was sucky for what else. Um, um, I think it's always going to be, uh, but. Uh, you know, because anything where you're trying to assault a building yeah. is is pretty tricky because um, you know we just can't get that many attacks in or mm, or whatever yeah. else. So just put a bunch of tar in there. Yeah, um, but you know, I I think and I think the only reason I managed to do as well as I did was because my opponents were maybe not as experienced as as you know when I played against Zach, who's obviously very experienced. Kick my butt. Uh, <laughs> you know, I played against a very inexperienced player in my first match. Uh -huh. And in my last game, um, I think my opponent was reasonably experienced, but was playing with a really experimental Lord Croak list from the Lizard Man army. Oh, yeah. Um, so I, I think um, I, I really enjoyed it. I liked that um, you could still get the points. Uh, even if you even if you got your your butt kicked, you know, there's mm -hmm. maybe a chance that you had some extra points. Right, in and there. on the flip side, you can easily win the game without actually winning the scenario without holding the tower. Yep, yeah, mm -hmm. so. for sure. Yeah, what? that's what happened to me in my last game. I I took the tower, got all the points for that, but the rest of my army just got <laughs> Wiped massacred. Yeah. So yeah. you know, he got a you know relatively good size win, but I got my few points for the tower. Okay. So I really liked it. Yeah. I just couldn't kick anyone out of the tower. Yeah, you couldn't. Like, you couldn't budge anybody out. No, I think it it's is, hard to it get people tough. out if of somebody a building. gets a big like infantry horde in there. Yeah, like I, you know, I couldn't stubborn. do anything to it. If they have a BSB with them, they're not gonna move for the whole game, pretty yeah. much. So, yeah. it was really, you know, you had to have some speed in your list for sure to try and take the tower if I, you wanted it. I so so if I was gonna do it again, I think uh, what what I would want to experiment with mm -hmm. is. First off, I'd like the tower to change personality more often. Yeah, it, it didn't really happen very much. It really I didn't. didn't. I thought it would be much. happening. How many times at did least, it happen? I think only about four or five, and I thought we would be getting at least three or four every round. Right. So if we had yeah. twenty-six players, that's we'll thirteen, thirty-nine yeah. games in total. Yeah, yeah. so it should day, should so have been six or seven. Six or seven yeah. times. So yeah. maybe it was pretty low. Yeah, I was hoping. And then they, and then when it did happen, it seems like everybody rolled uh, a tower of blood. <laughs> Weird. So, I would have loved it. I know. So, so yeah, I, maybe you could just say, you know, um, in scenario one, it's a plain watchtower. In scenario two, it's one of these roll three. On roll on this yeah. table. In scenario, or just yeah. make it a straight up roll on roll the chart. On chart. And yeah, there's no one result what. that is a yeah. vanilla watchtower. Yeah. yeah, that seems good. Yeah. Um, and the second thing uh, that I would maybe change is that. If the tower scatters into your opponent's half of the table, you get plus one on your dice roll for first turn. Okay. Something like that. To kind of balance To it. kind of balance you get to push out. towards the tower. Yeah. Um, but I think, I, in most of my games, I think first turn was much more important 
for claiming the tower than where it actually ends up because you have to be 12 inches from it well it anyway it, it is uh, um but if you are getting into the tower so imagine it's scattered towards you mm-hmm. and i'm i'm then I'm more likely to get the first turn i get that first turn i can push up with my fast troops to get into the tower but then i don't have the support around them so that if you are able to assault you know with with combined force yeah um you know, right. or or whatever else. I had uh, something very fast and very durable. So anytime yeah. I got the first turn, they would just you were get straight in the in second there, yeah. turns and then mm-hmm. not yeah. move for the whole game. <laughs> so all right, cool. So well, okay. well and we talked about this last time again. That you know, it's it's a kind of interesting situation if you do if you have got a fast, powerful unit and you just use it to take the tower then you're fighting the rest of the game without one of your best units. So yeah. it's kind yeah. of, yeah. You, you lose out as well. Unless you're Aiden, then they shoot. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, I didn't think there were any surprises in the scenario based on, you know, what we thought was going to happen. Mm-hmm. It kind of happened. It was good because you could look at it and think about it tactically ahead mm-hmm. of time. And you were more or less on the money. Yeah, and that's to me what a scenario should be. Yeah, so I really yeah. liked it, and and I'd, I'd happily play it again as it was. I'd like to experiment with it to see if we mm-hmm. can. Yeah, I I would not discount it being in future uh, tournaments. It's cool. I thought it was pretty fun. Yeah, um, and agreed. Yeah. Okay, speaking of future tournaments, yeah. <laughs> so Sparkle Party Deathmatch Three Fee Five Fo Fun. Fee five oh fun. Yeah, Sparkle Party Deathmatch. Somebody's smell the blood of Yeah. Yeah. Um so Sparkle Party Deathmatch three is gonna be all about giants. Um I announced this at the end of uh well, just before the award show, I guess, of Sparkle Party Two. And um what it is is every player who comes and plays um gets to bring a free giant, uh free uh, uh, you know. Free points, points wise, yeah. I'm not going to buy them a giant. <laughs> uh, so you have to provide the model, uh, but you just turn up and get handed yeah, a pro painted yeah, giant. Yeah. <laughs> Here, guys. <laughs> Everybody walks away winning. Yeah, um, I, I would totally do that. You know, seventy five dollar entry fee. <laughs> yeah, I know. Rick is going to paint them. I <laughs> Jeez, I mean, it was bad enough painting the towers. So yeah. painting paint that many giants. Woo. Um, Everyone puts uh, in a special order. Make mine look chaos dwarfy. Yeah. So, um, yeah, well, that is uh, that is something I'm asking people to do. Um, because the giant's free and a lot of armies can't take them, um, if they you want to model them as something that they normally can take, but, um, I mean, you know, there's so, things you can do. So, so. for example, I, I like I said I, earlier, I, I ordered the Ultra Forge Tree Woman, mm-hmm. and she is big compared to the other tree men in my army. Like, she's a good... Mm-hmm. A third bigger than the GW tree man and quite a bit chunkier. So, but the nice thing is she comes on a 50 mil base. So mm-hmm. even uh, once again, this, this game's done, I've got another tree man that I can use. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so you're sitting there shrugging your shoulders, Taylor. I can't have a thematic giant. Of course, dude, come on, you're playing <laughs> demons. You can I know, it. but which one do I take? Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so this is your problem. It's too much choice. Right. Yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> too yeah. much choice, yeah. Well, you know, there's always that creature caster you can take Kickstarter. Any of those creature yeah, I know, right? caster. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I've, I've been thinking about that since you mentioned it. <laughs> well, the problem is it probably wouldn't be ready. You know, yeah. Kickstarters yeah. can usually be a year out, so yeah, you might need true. to do something pretty fast. Yeah. But, um, there's always Forge World. Yeah. They've got some. And, and even then, just the, the normal GW Giant kit's pretty awesome. It yeah. is. Actually, I'm. Yeah. 
yeah there's a lot of chaos bits in it things you can do i'm looking forward to working with that kit it's yeah. one i've always looked at and you're gonna wanted, do but... uh your beard a beard on it like you did with your <laughs> no i have so... i've bought this head from a company called raging heroes oh, have okay. you seen this company they yeah. make um they make a dual kit which is a manticore and a lamasu oh, like fun. and the lamasu yeah. head is awesome it looks like big chaos dwarf big horns big long curly beard and they sell the head separately so i've got that and cool. i'm gonna green stuff it to a gw giant kit and give him some long chaos dwarfy kind of dreads down the back nice. with green stuff nice. nice and yeah i'm really looking forward to working with the the gw giant kit because it has so many options so much okay customizing potential yeah. cool taylor you still don't know what you're doing but yeah you'll, no you'll figure something out but yeah so everybody gets to bring a, a free giant um unlike the first two sparkle parties where um I just had one scenario that the players played three times, um, nice and simple, kind of get everybody familiar with each other and familiar with playing in the tournaments because a lot of the people are new to that. Now you're going to blow our minds with now, complexity. Yeah, it's it's going to get moderately more complex. Um, it's going to be three different scenarios, and they're all kind of... Uh, it, it's hard to... <laughs> 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 uh, it's really... Yeah. Uh, um, it's really hard to do a truly uh, linked campaign with this many player, like campaign feel uh, two of them, to all the scenarios. Uh, because if you win one game and then you go to play somebody else who also won, it's kind of hard to say like, oh, if you won this game, then you have this advantage and this person doesn't. So... Um, they're moderately um, themed in a timeline. Um, uh, we en I, enough that they feel like they belong together, yeah. but but not so much that it feels like that the result of what you did in the first uh, game really influences the second game. If you Correct. want some continuity, you should have, if your giant is still jumping up and down on somebody in the last game, then in the next they continue game, to jump just up automatically and down. starts jumping up and down <laughs> as his first attack. As soon as he gets in combat, he yeah, just keeps yeah. going. Yeah, so, well, all the scenarios are going to be based around um, uh, having your giant do something in the game. And just like before with the other uh, scenarios that I've wrote um, in the past, uh, the giant, the scenario doesn't make or break the game. It's going to be for bonus points. Mm -hmm. So your giant will be playing for bonus points. And then also, as a, an aside, there's going to be a lot more points available in this tournament because I'm going to I'm going to raise the cap on painting a little bit um, and rework the painting scores. But I'm also going to give each player a score sheet that has uh, a list of 15 different things. I have it up to 15 now. Um, <laughs> and the majority of those are every one of the attacks the giant is able to do um, versus small things, big things, jump up and down, fall over, swing with club, stuff in sack, all these different things. And as they go I through the it. tournament, they can check these off. Every one they check off on the list, they get a tournament point how do you, for. How do you determine what he does? You roll, you roll on the table. You roll, a, roll on a table every time and you get him to jump up and six. down. He just keeps <laughs> yeah. jumping up and down. Yeah, it's a d6. But the tables are different depending on what you're fighting. If you're fighting a big monster, he might just I'm taking Kairos. You're taking Kairos. I'm going to re-roll that. Nice. That's smart, actually. I endorse this. Yeah, so people can... 
if they want to, they can just take their giant and start slamming it into every combat they can to try and max out that uh, that chart. Um, the other thing I'm doing is because everything in this game revolves around the giant and giants, um, as they're written, are, are relatively weak and pretty squishy, pretty easy to kill. What are they? Their toughness, five, five six, six wounds, wounds no yeah. save. Um, unless you upgrade them to war paint, which only gives you a six up ward. But and that's um, only in the Orc and Goblin yeah, Giant. Yeah. 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 So I think the I think the Chaos Giant can take armor. Something else, yeah. But not the Beast Man one. Um, Maybe the Warriors one can. So yeah. what I've done because um because they are so squishy and I want these giants to just dominate <laughs> <Remain>. the tournament. <laughs> yeah. Um I have made them um all have a three up ward save. Yeah. So everybody's giants gonna be—they're gonna be staying on the table a little longer, and they're also completely immune to multiple wound attacks. So, well, not completely immune. They'll they'll take the one wound, but they won't multiply. So even if it's another giant hitting him with the one that does multiple wounds, even if it's another giant, yeah. So so your cannonballs, shoot them all you want, but you're only getting one wound through. Wow. If it, if they fail that three up board Lord, to yeah. begin with, yeah. so, um, so you don't want to focus any artillery on them at all. Yeah, so the these giants are <laughs> what else artillery? Yeah, <laughs> they're, they're going to be running around killing stuff, and and um, that's just, just going to be part of the fun. Run interference on my opponent's giant yeah. game. Yeah. I'm going to use my giant as a redirector. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, it's perfect for that. Yeah. So um, I I will loosely outline. Um, well, no, I, I'm only gonna I'm only gonna give you guys scenario one, and then I think we're gonna release the other two scenarios in the nice. next two podcasts. Okay. So, um, knowing now that the giant has the three up ward, immune to killing or to um, multiple wounds, Im- immune to killing blow. Well, yeah, they are innately. But what about heroic, heroic killing, killing blow? blow? Immune. Uh, immune. Let's just make them immune. Otherwise, <laughs> Bretonians will just I think run they should in be, and yeah. heroic yeah, killing blow. Sure, why yeah. not? I'm just going to use my giant as a meat shield for the rest of the army. We'll yeah. be like hidden I hadn't, I hadn't really thought about heroic killing blow, but like Bretonians are really the only ones that have it, so I'll, yeah. I'll throw it on you, there. You but. can't take it. Skulltigger won't, won't do it because he's not a character. Because the Tomb it. Kings have you a can't heroic it. killing blow as well. Okay. Yeah, so we'll make that a... We'll make him immune to that too. Why not? But yeah. Just saying. Basically, these guys can't be killed so um so the story is um and i wrote an intro uh for for kind of the whole thing you can go to dimensional cascade and you can read it it's um a couple paragraphs that just kind of outline it if you read between the lines it's going to tell you what the scenarios are um so scenario one though is going to be um your your army has to capture um one of two uh sparkle stones that are in your opponent's deployment zone and they're going to be positioned uh in the opponent's deployment zone 12 inches from each short table edge so they're kind of off on each side okay uh-huh. you can say it go on you're going to explode what i'm just going to ambush him <laughs> i'm going to ambush him and scout into him but the giant now here's the interesting the giant part. is the only one that can pick up the sparkle stone. you <laughs> <laughs> see what he did there so now um you can earn uh your army can earn bonus points for defending your sparkle stones if your sparkle stones never move during um your game then you've defended them and you can get two bonus points you can get three bonus points if your giant walks over picks up the sparkle stone and walks it back to your deployment zone. the flag 
It's basically a game of capture the flag. Uh, then and you're going to waste all of the time your giant could be pounding the crap true. out of people. But as soon as your giant picks up the sparkle stone, they also have magical attacks. Because the rocks are sparkly. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> Green and sparkly. So, um, death match. so if you wanted to, you could walk over, pick up the sparkle stone, and then start, start smashing your enemy with magical attacks, too. So... Um, it's kind of fun. Um, so don't pick it up against high elves. Yeah, don't pick it up against high elves. Uh, pick it up quickly against what elves? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nah. Demons. What <laughs> <laughs> a guy magical attacks. Yeah. Whatever. But uh, so it's going to be yeah a game of capture the flag. Uh, bonus points are based on whether you capture the the sparkle stone and still can defend your own. Um, you can also just play it defensively and try and capture those two points, and you can also play it offensively, or you could just run your giant into the line and start killing stuff and try and fill up your scorecard. Do you have to get the stone anywhere, or is it just go pick it up? And get it back to your deployment zone? You have to pick up the ones that originally started in the opponent's deployment zone. So if you, if you're, if like their giant picks it up and they're starting to go back and you kill that giant and they drop it, because they do drop it if they die. Um, you can't pick it up with your giant and run it back. It hmm. has to be the original ones from their deployment zone. I now, wrote all that up in this Let scenario. me ask you this. If I spend points from my allowance on bringing another giant, nope. it, it's only the special <laughs> yes. giant. So, so the, way, the way the fluff is written, only the giant that has the proper sparkle wards okay. can pick up the sparkle okay. stone. Yeah. That's why he gets a three-up ward. Yeah, because mm-hmm. the three-up ward is there to protect him from my the, other giant the corrupting nature of the sparkle the stone. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I have another question for you, and it's not at all self-serving um but uh, you know obviously we've we've, yeah (laughs) these uh do the giants so obviously each giant is coming with an army a lot of armies can't take giants correct um do the giants get the army-wide special rules um, generic no, the giant should has to be the same like, for everybody. Like which right? ones? Well, uh, well, I mean, I think about wood elves. Right, obviously, that's what I'm going to be bringing. Uh, everything in the wood elf army has forest rider, right? I would say probably not. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I think it's only going to be what yeah. rules are printed on the sheet that I. That okay, I'm that makes sense. Out, right? And I just wanted yeah. to check. Yeah. I'm going to have to clarify something with you off air, though. Okay. <laughs> I don't want you guys to know. Getting tricksy. Yeah. Uh, another part of this is, um, so we did the giveaway for the Dimensional Cascade template. This time we're doing a giveaway for the Giant Falling template. So um, yeah. it's you're pretty much guaranteed that the Giant's going to fall it over because they fall point. over at you know a strong breeze so people will almost everybody's going to get this template yeah. and basically even if you don't i'll probably just give them away so everybody's going to get the giant fall template which is just kind of a what, funky blob but. the really nice thing about that is there isn't one right you can't really yeah, you can't buy, buy one. the book and yeah put it on a cereal so, box so yeah. this is a nice acrylic yeah um you know clear cut template with a fallen giant yeah <laughs> what you're looking oh well, i'm just thinking about Sparkle Party Deathmatch 3 and what I'm going to take to it. Okay. Right now, I'm just like, I'm going to take a bunch of ambushers and a bunch of nurglings and then just make a path for my giant. I'm going to go complete monster well. mash so there's just so many big things <laughs> for me just wedge <laughs> up the middle of the table. Uh, yes. I, I think it's going to be interesting to see what people do because that first scenario is kind of a little battle liney, defensive, offensive however you want to play it. 
the next uh, couple scenarios. Go I change. I might bring three, three giants and just hope my opponents forget Good which one's the Shell game. Paint them all identically. What a jerk. This one has green eyes, though. This one has one little sparkle. You glue one piece of glitter on its butt cheek or something. All right, where's his butt? Yeah. All right, so uh, um, anything more you want to talk about um, SPDM3? Um, Just get uh, out there and play. Yeah, Everybody sign yes, up. Yes, yeah, yeah. start Do signing up. Do we have a up. cap this time, max number of players? I'm going to hold the cap at 30 players for now. Let's um, fill it up. Is it still going to be a card kingdom? <clears throat> it's still going to be a card kingdom. The date is locked for April 12th, right, I believe? Ooh. Yep. Um, and then April. we mm -hmm. have the lunchroom reserved again. Um, so I wanted to encourage people to come in early and mm -hmm. place their orders in the morning because the people April 13th, who... Oh, April 13th. I'm sorry, everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, the, uh, the people who did that, I think got their food right away and were able to relax a little more at lunch. And then the rest of us had to wait. Yeah. yeah. Um, I I just had a box nope. of cold lunch set the entire was second it, game. Was it cold? <laughs> well, <laughs> oh, I, I got my lunch, and then I got so into my second game, I forgot to eat it. It was his own fault. After yeah. my second game, I was like, oh, <laughs> looked all sad. So so what I'll make sure and do is that we have the uh, Eventbrite uh, tickets ready to go once we've uh, when we publish the podcast so that people can just go. It'll be um, spdm3.eventbrite.com, and you'll be able to register from yeah, there. Yeah, I think I want to get the all three scenarios up so let's it's probably going to be another month before. you want to get the scenarios up before yeah, we have tickets on sale? yeah because I, I want people to um to know, know the scenarios into. before they decide <laughs> what they're getting into but, yeah okay yeah. i think i think at least 80 percent of the nerds will want to like you know really sign up right just away. from what we've said everybody's hooked already i think everyone's already like, ordered my giant i mean it's like yeah. i'm definitely i've going. already ordered True. my lunch True. yeah <laughs> <laughs> fine we'll, we'll get take tickets on sale it. anyway I mean, let's get 30 players it's gonna um, be such a great day but it'll be yeah. the like, same thing as before time. so you know eventbrite is just to reserve your place you pay at the event yeah um, yeah everything else is gonna be you know the same time frame is gonna uh we're gonna use that um i'm gonna structure um player's choice and the painting contest are gonna happen between the second and third round um, so mm -hmm. the, between the first and second round is your lunch break. Go do whatever you want. Um, enjoy some food. Get Do that. Then come back. <laughs> do second and third, as soon as um, I call dice down on second round two, I'm going to pick up everybody's giants and get them on the table for uh, the, the painting competition. And then everybody who's going to do player's choice needs to get all their models arranged and out for display then. Are, are so we I, having a painting competition for just the giants? Yeah, so yeah. this Yeah, and uh it was fifty dollars last time, so it'll probably be fifty dollars again. Um know. you know whoever So your giants free essentially. Yeah, if you so give a whoever, giant. If you whoever wins uh wins could potentially pay off their giant. Yeah. So I had a question the the pay points for your army does that include the giant as well? They will not that does not the include giant. the giant. Yeah. Okay. So that's why I'm actually doing the paints uh Player's Choice and the the Giant are going to be at the same time because mm -hmm. I want to keep them separate. Mm -hmm. Okay. You know? All right, cool. So one other thing that uh, – uh, are, we, are we good to move on from Yeah, from I there? think so. Yeah. Yeah. So one thing that uh, I got an e a, a message about the other day that might attract a few more people down to this is uh, 
that I, I'm going to run a Washington State Masters tournament uh, in November. And uh, the reason why I think it'll attract more people to this is that I've said that I'm going to use um, the scores from, from the four Sparkle parties that are going to be run this year as the, the qualifying points for uh, who's going to be invited to the Masters. So, so the Masters is basically uh, looking at uh, some of the countries that, that run a Masters, Australia, the UK, mm-hmm. uh, I think Ireland does one, I know New Zealand does one. Um, they're obviously um, smaller countries. Australia is not really smaller per se, but <laughs> but population-wise and, and ease of travel so you can all get together is, is a yeah. little easier. Organizing one for the United States is a great goal, but but I'm just going to start with Washington. Yeah, and uh, Yeah, and so what I want to do is uh, I want to have the top eight players. I also want to run like a side event where people can come along and, and play Warhammer and, and watch the Masters. Uh, I want to um, use our overhead time-lapse cameras like we've done for mm-hmm. some of our battle reports and, and do that for all of the games and really kind of try and uh, uh, bring a lot of awareness about the hobby uh, in Washington, get get a bunch, of, raise the profile a little bit. I mean, the, the forum, we kind of started with that. Um, now we've got the podcast. Um, the Masters is going to do the same, I hope. So... So that's going to be November probably because I think December we start to get into people uh, potentially traveling. It might be like the first week of December. It might be the middle of November, okay. depending on venue and all of that sort of stuff. Um, so uh, for the people who can't make it to uh, Sparkle Parties or or who didn't make it to um, the the one you just ran, um, what I've said is I, I think I want to kind of encourage people to come to these because mm-hmm. you know these are these are kind of um, they're, I think they're kind of Washington only at the moment. I don't think anyone really outside of the Seattle area has come. Um, while I'd be mm-hmm. happy for other people to come, I think, you know, for this year anyway, it's most likely just going to be folks from Washington. Yeah, this is, Olympia was the furthest I think somebody drove. For yeah, this so so I think that makes it a reasonably good uh, starting point. So I've said you, you got to participate in at least two of them to qualify. And if you um, have missed a couple um, but you've been in other tournaments I'll take your results from the other tournament if it's a similar size mm-hmm. um, so so that gives people an opportunity to to be considered and you know I'm sure I'm going to get some things wrong and some things right and I'll piss a few people off but well, I think we'll have a really fun time and a fun tournament and that's really what yeah, I'm yeah and for. If, uh, if somebody out there is listening to this and they they know of a tournament that Aiden should consider let him know get him get in contact with him and say hey there's a tournament here run by these guys and um it's always great fun um let yeah, us know because i want to play in that tournament <laughs> yeah yeah we're uh, we're all looking for places to play in the state and um uh you know just let us know and uh, and we'll try and get that in on the list and yeah and and also we'll give you a shout out on the podcast for yeah, sure yeah um speaking of of other to- other tournaments um uh, Ricky and myself and a couple of others are heading up to Victoria mm-hmm. in British Columbia, which is a couple hours drive and then an hour's ferry ride um, for Godacon, which is their big gaming convention up there. There's a 50-person Warhammer tournament yeah. over two days, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, I don't think we need to go into too much detail about that. It's five games, you five different scenarios. Games. you got to represent. Well, the nice thing is we're bringing four fully painted armies with display boards. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, we're definitely at least visually representing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll uh, be on the bottom table the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I don't care. I'll be right there with you. Yeah, at <laughs> least like, I get to play Skarsnick up at this one. So yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah, yeah, because you're going to another one shortly as well, right? Yeah, I'm going to Vegas in uh, two weeks. So second weekend of February uh, or first week, first full weekend of February. Yeah, going to the Vegas, uh, Las Vegas Open. So. Okay, but um, no special characters. No there. special characters, no Forge World rules. So I can't use Skarsnick and I can't use Squid Gabas. Um, so I'm using my Squid Gabas as Doom Divers, and Skarsnick's going to be a unit filler and a block of squigs. So <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> I'm getting those models on the table. What, where is it in Vegas? Um, at Bally's, uh, okay. a big casino. And oh. uh, I guess they, they have that uh, reserved for us, and we're staying at the hotel there. Um, a couple of. Uh, my gaming buddies that come down to my house are going to be meeting me there. They're both went off to college this turn, this uh, last year or so. They actually uh, decided to fly out there, and we're, we're going to meet up there and nice. get some games in. Nice. So, yeah. I, I read through the tournament pack because I was half tempted to go, but then decided Gotacon was better. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, yeah. And also easier to convince the misses about. But uh, they, they have a like a, a friendly game on the Friday night where – uh, every un, every finished bottle of beer or, or gla- beer hammer beer hammer gets to be placed on the table as impassable terrain. Yeah. No, I think they're calling it slosh good. hammer. Yeah. Slosh hammer. Yeah, nice. so you can slam a drink and block a charge. Yeah, it's like yeah. boom. And so you need a drinking buddy. Because I don't drink, so um, if I ever go again, um, I'm accepting uh, applications for somebody who's a lush and uh, <laughs> wants to be my partner. Oh, they're much better because they won't be distracted with all the Warhammer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice, nice. The Hobby Horse. What I wanted to, to kind of talk about this time around was actually based on a post that was on the the Dimensional Cascade Forum about blends. Um, so did you start the post, I think, Tom? Yeah, I started the post. Okay. So, uh, re- yeah. yeah. And re- really, I think it's it's a point that everybody reaches at, at some point in their painting career. You know, you go from the the basics of, of you know, a base coat and, and dry brushing and shading and you start, you see see some of the models in uh, in White Dwarf or, or other people's stuff, and you see these beautiful gradient blends mm-hmm. that they have, um, and it's like, how do I how do I make that happen? Um, so, what was it for you particularly that uh, that it's just spawned that yeah, question? Um, yeah, just reaching that stage in my painting, I guess, where um, the one thing that I can't really achieve now is like a smooth transition between colors. Like the, the best highlighting I do is all dry brushed with lots and lots of tiny layers of dry brushing to try mm-hmm. and build mm-hmm. a kind of gradual gradient. And I know there's a better way to do it with just, I mean, that is a valid blending. technique. Though. It is a valid technique, but I, I used to wanna, do that too. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like the, the best, yeah. the best pieces I do, mm-hmm. like the look is all kind of blended through dry brushing yeah. And I know that there's a better way to do it, and I want to learn it. Yeah, so that's so, why I posted about just how to achieve that gradual transition between colors. Yeah, I think there are a few different ways. Um, I know I think uh, Ricky and I have actually different ways of how how we do it. So why don't you talk about how you how you do it, and then I'll talk about how I do it. See if we go from there. Um, well, I I do all kinds of different blends still. I still do um, base coat wash as blending just depends on the actual part of the model or the model itself um 
because they all call for different things. Um, but I, I guess we should just kind of start with what kind of the most basic blending is, yeah, is kind of dry brushing. That really is probably the, the simplest thing. Um, and I still use that. It's still... I still use it on most of my trees. Yeah, you know? I mean, dryads are the, the prime example of, you know, something to dry brush, you know, beastmen to all the fur. Well, yeah, yeah, sure. And I see that as a really good way to kind of get a blend if you have something that has obvious mm -hmm. texture. But what I'm thinking about is if you say you have a big flat area of yeah. flesh or something. So or a dark, mm -hmm. Or just like, mm -hmm. so imagine the giant model, his belly you've got yeah. kind of yeah. you want it to just get gradually lighter and lighter towards the more most raised yeah. part yeah. there so the way <laughs> that um over time i've uh, gotten to work towards was uh, starting to learn how to do wet blending which is which is ultimately the kind of the next step you have to do where you um are literally blending the paint into the last layer with water and, and it's all wet instead of the dry brushing which when you're dry brushing you're just laying down tiny little particles of it and um, it works but in this case you're actually you know trying to bury that but with water um <laughs> yeah this is the worst thing to tell you no I, I think i think i think you've got it right so so uh, when you put some paint on your palette whatever your palette happens to be mm -hmm. um you you if you want to mix a color right you the paint has to be wet and mm -hmm. you add a, a certain amount and then you, you kind of slowly mix it with your paintbrush right right mm -hmm. um it's a little bit of that uh in a skillful manner is probably the yeah. easiest way to describe it right where you're you're following the curve of the model and there are tons of youtube videos about this by the way so uh, and, and I, I, some of them are more informative than others, yeah. but, but, um, the tricky part and the thing that you can't get from a YouTube video is, uh, and for me anyway, it was, it was when I had the real breakthrough was when I got the right consistency with the paint. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so knowing how much water to have in your paint and it actually varies based on the, the paint that you're using. Um, even the color, if it's the same paint range, you know, different mm -hmm. colors need a different amount of water and the effect that you're trying to get, um, you know, like, so I find that, for example, if I'm going from red to yellow, right, because that might be a blend that you'd be interested in right. doing in Chaos Dwarfs, I find that I thin the yellow very little in comparison to sure. if I was doing like from a black to red, mm -hmm. I would probably thin the black a lot, right? Right. Um, so I think it's, I think it's a lot of experimentation and that's where part of the problem comes and, and almost, so what I used to tell everybody who ever asked me, how do you blend? Is I said, the chances are that, that your paint is too thick and that's why you're having problems. Yeah, exactly. So is what you're talking about building up gradual layers of kind of lighter and lighter color it's, or you're actually, it's not having both colors on there wet at the same time and mixing no, them into I, each other. On I the build model. up. So there's, there's two schools. Um, well, three, really, you can start light and work into the shadow, mm -hmm. start medium, work into the shadow and to the highlight or start dark and build up. Mm -hmm. I've done, I've done all of them at some point in my in in my painting career i find it easier and more forgiving to start dark and work up especially with the vibrancy and the new paints mm -hmm. it's still easy to get the bright colors even starting dark right. and you can still get that high contrast look 
even with starting right. dark. And so what I do when I want to create a smooth blend, for me, it's a lot about the paint selection. I try and find as many of the paints as I can that can sit in a line and go from the darkest color that mm -hmm. I want to the lightest color I want. And I try to fill in everything in between because that saves you all the time of trying to mix those paints sure. yep. and trying to mix them on the model. Right. And so like my that, goblins. That actually, you see that a lot in your in your Taylor Painter posts because yeah. it's like somebody will say, what color did you use? Here's the seven colors I used to achieve that. <laughs> yeah. Effect. Yeah. And so it, it really is like, um, like my goblin skin is five greens and two warm colors. Right. And so you. But that's all building up small and layers, starting, let it dry and then build up another yeah. layer that's just a little lighter. Yeah. yeah so um, what I do is, um, and, and when I paint like a goblin's face or even a goblin's arm, there's not a lot of actual blending because the colors like the the values are so similar mm. that you don't have to have a really smooth edge as long as you're not right. putting on a big blob it's going to kind of blend itself and your eye is going to soften that out so you can actually have if you got really close you would see there's steps in right. my in my painting but your eye softens that out now when it comes to those big bellies that's where you are going to have to start actually learning how to blend the paint into one another and the best way to do that is work really wet paint and tiny bits of it at a time and get a hair dryer and do a little bit dry it do a little bit dry it don't ever let it start pooling up if you start to see it pooling up then you're you're too wet mm -hmm. but you need to do that and use um i've started using the Lamian medium Mm -hmm. which at first I was like, what is this? I don't know. Yeah, I've been using that yeah. too. It keeps so, the pattern wetter. For yeah, longer. so it breaks that surface tension right. so you won't get the pooling that you might if you're painting a big belly and you get a bunch of paint on there and then you stand it up and it just you know forms a little bubble at the yeah. bottom. So you want to you wanna be able to avoid that. The Lamy Meat will help you do that. It keeps it spread out more until it can dry. So um, for me, even even on small areas, I always work with... Um, the biggest brush I can that has the finest point I can and I will rinse my brush and keep it really wet just touch it to a paper towel and then I touch the tip into my paint pot and I'm maybe getting maybe a millimeter of paint on the tip of that and then the rest is water in that brush and that and then I just start working the area I want to work and the the water flows out of the brush and helps you blend it smoother and I paint straight from the pot. I don't use a palette unless I do need to use a medium of some kind. Hmm. So um, it just, you know, depends on the area. But um, for a big belly, um, I would actually try different stuff now. Like, because I have done that. Like if you, my A-bombs, my Hellpit Abominations, things like that, I painted by sitting there painstakingly for hours, blending and then washing and then re-highlighting and then blending. And, and it, it just... It, it's more work than um, it needs to be because um, there's other tools to do it now, like a, an airbrush. Right. Yeah, for can a large make, surface, I would can make airbrush. so much, so much quick work out of a giant. Like a giant would be like my, my gigantic cave squig, which I think you guys have seen that I use as a mangler. Um, that thing took me probably about an hour to paint over 
Yeah. And then if you see, if you watch, like there was a video you posted on the mm -hmm. forum today of a guy airbrushing a troll. Yeah. And um, it was actually in response to how do you do oil washes because he did some oil washing in it. Yeah. But just watching him spray paint that troll uh, with an airbrush, I'm like, I'm never doing a big model again until I get an airbrush. Yeah. And set, if anybody needs needs to to get an intro on that, just hit me up because. I, it, me? Yeah, me? yeah, yeah. I would um, come to an airbrush tutorial, uh, especially with it, my it giant. Is, it is intimidating um, to get into because it's it's pricey. Uh, I think I spent nearly a thousand dollars on my setup, Holy um, crap. and you don't have yeah. to spend that much. But in the end, it, the, I made the decision to do so because I knew I was going to be serious about it, and that it's I'm going to get that much out of it eventually. Um, but you but, got a compressor and everything. At yeah, that the compressor is usually the most expensive part. Um, and then, but again, you don't have to buy a compressor. Some people use, uh, cylinders of CO2 that they just can get refilled. Yeah. Um, airbrushes themselves usually aren't that expensive, maybe a hundred bucks. You can get something fairly good, but then it gets down to the decisions you need to make on what the airbrush, the features of the airbrush. Yeah. And, um, maybe we'll do a, a whole thing about airbrushing. Yeah, and so might be a good, but that's a good, that's a good tool to use. The other thing, um, which, uh, you can do is um, blending from the from the darks up to the lights with things like the washes. Those those also help. So you can yeah. So I I have, I have a fairly different approach to how I do my blending. Mm -hmm. So just listening to how you do it and uh, mine is quite different. And um, so so I use a wet palette, um, which is really just um, something that that absorbs water um, with a layer of parchment paper on top. So that you can, uh, I actually did a little tutorial about it. Maybe I'll put a link to it in the in the notes for the show. But uh, so so the wet palette, the nice thing about it is when you put some paint on the palette, it doesn't dry up. I mean, it takes several hours for it to dry up. Um, so you don't need to put a medium in it to to work with it, or or you know any of those um, yeah, retarders. Yeah, the yeah. the drying retarder or anything like that, which is really nice. Now it still will dry quickly on the model, um, but the the nice thing is that you have all of the colors that you've used still there in front of you and still wet and still at the consistency that you mix them to, which I find essential for doing a blend, right? You know, you, you I think, vary the thickness of the paint based on how much water is in the brush and how much paint you put on the end of the Yeah, well, I, the there's something that I think um, needs to be pointed out is that all of the GW paints are formulated to... Um, the lowest common denominator, the, the entry-level painters. They're pretty thick. They're high in pigment count. They're perfect for dry brushing. So when you want to move beyond dry brushing, you need to thin those pots down. Um, I When I first open a pot, I immediately add water. Oh, you do? Okay. Yeah, to, to the pot? To the pot. All right, that makes a are, whole lot more sense. Because they are... like. How the hell are you painting that well <laughs> straight from the pot? Well, it's, you don't have to add a lot, yeah. but you need to add water because they're formulated to be fairly dry. Yeah. Now, the, the downside to that is um, if I want to go in and just slop something on there and cover it up, mm -hmm. I, I can't. It takes a couple coats. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But the way they're formulated now, they're, they're designed for people who want to paint fast. Mm-hmm. And who want to get their armies on the table, and which is great because they they need that's most people, you yeah. know, they want to get a base coat on there, throw a wash on it, get it on the table. Yeah. And I've even I do that too, like my Skaven. But 
I'm not going to, if I, if I wanted to do that to an army, I'd probably go buy new paints again, just because the ones I have, I've added so much water to yeah. that they're thinner. Okay. Yeah. That makes a ton more sense. And now. so what you got to think of, if you're going to start blending, it, it's got to be Somebody's kicking their paint. mic. Stop kicking your mic, whoever it is. I haven't moved my feet. All right. All right. Okay. I'm, watch, you. I'm watching you all. No. Uh, Tom. No, I have soft, squishy slippers on. <laughs> like a statue over here. Anyway, so, sorry, Ricky. Ricky's beard. Probably, <laughs> beard. it probably is. I'm like, I'll smack him. Long beard. Does that sound like anything when I? Oh, just about. Ooh, there we go. Your, be- your beard's famous. Little, now. little beard feet. It's... That's so wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, when you start, um, it is going to be experimentation. Dry brushing is is absolutely the easiest way to blend. I have blended large surface areas with dry brushing. I did that on some of my um, lizardmen, like the stegodons, bellies, things like that, back when I didn't really know or were too scared to try the other things. But the the thing is, is you just got to kind of like get in there and you're br- it's going to take a while to learn how paint moves for you. And once you you do that, you'll you'll get there eventually. Um, yeah. So the chances are, uh, you know, if you're do, if you're doing it, you like I said earlier, your paint's probably too thick. So if you've thinned your paint, um, your brush might be too small. You do need a big brush mm-hmm. to do blending. Um, uh, you, you, you need a fine point on it, obviously. But you know, so I, I generally don't blend anything with a brush smaller than a size two. Um, so if I if the two is too big to work in the area that I need to work in, the chances are blending is not the right like that, that sort of wet blend is not the right approach and more, maybe yeah. something more like a layer approach like you were talking yeah, about if, is it, probably if the area is too small. small to actually blend then it, you really just need like a dot of yeah, paint yeah, and it'll show yeah. <laughs> so. yeah, exactly um and but i i do tend to work um i i like to it, it depends i i tend to make my models i do a base coat and then i work down and work up so that was one of the things that Ricky was talking about, starting in the middle and, and working down and up. And work down just with a wash or like actually painting the recesses a darker color? It depends on what I'm painting. So, for example, uh, I'll, I'll take Glade Guard because I've painted about 40 of them recently. Um, so on the front of the Glade Guard, they have like a little leather jerkin, which has, uh, you know, a lot of detail like stitches and and buttons and whatever else and that i usually just wash um with a darker color so that you know all the recesses get filled and it, and it makes the detail look nice and then i'll just probably highlight um with a lighter layer but the cloaks um i will paint all one color and then um i will actually blend in the dark um and then and blend up the light um and uh i might do that several times to get the because i feel like the cloaks are a pretty dramatic part of the model mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and when it's done right it looks really good um so i don't mind spending the extra time um and doing it and and you can get some real depth on the model whenever you you start to do that and also i think cloaks are a pretty easy place to start so if, yeah that's where uh, i cut my chops was on my wood elf cloaks um i primed the <laughs> So I did a winter theme where everything's pretty much in white, but I primed the models black 
and then I blend it all the way up to white. <laughs> so, <laughs> don't try this at home. Don't folks. try that no. at home. <laughs> so that's where I really learned how to, you know, Jesus. build yeah. those gradients. And it, it took, it takes a while, but it was and, worth it. And the other really nice thing is, especially if you're working with leather like that, and this is not just a promo for buying wood elves, but if you're working with like a, a, a material, you can you can actually do a slight blend with or uh, uh, with a slightly different color or a, or a thin wash with a slightly different color, mm -hmm. and then your whole unit looks like they're all part of the same unit, but the cloaks are slightly different in the way that you know uh, you know a natural material or something like that would be slightly mm -hmm. different, yeah. and it can look really good, and that's just you know slight change and doesn't really affect how you paint the rest of the unit. Okay, so so Tom, you have homework. All right, you got to try and get some. Yeah, get some blending done. Actually, uh, um, what might be a good idea is if we come over for a hobby night one night and we'll yeah. give it a try. And yeah, and if you get your get your models assembled, um, let me know and I can bring the airbrush up and we can Ooh. go through that. Oh, have a giant sweet. night. Mufasa. Yeah, a giant night. That's <laughs> yeah, that sounds really good. Just airbrush my belly. Yeah, airbrush my belly. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Spray yeah. on some abs. <laughs> yeah, that'd be yeah. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Those real fat belly the giant just has the whole keg. <laughs> the art of war. So this is our section around uh, uh, tactics and and strategy and all of those sort of shenanigans right into the gaming side of things. Uh, I don't know if we, did we have one of these in the last uh, podcast? I know we wanted to, maybe we just, you know. I think that we just talked about how we were going to How we were going to win SPDM. Yeah. That's right. We were talking a lot about the Watchtower. How did that go? I'm just going to crush them. <laughs> yeah. I crushed two people. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So, yeah, I think we were, we kind of turned it into a, how do you assault a watchtower? Yeah. Um, so in this, uh, in this one, we're going to talk about chaff. So uh, let's start by defining what, what we think chaff actually is. Um, uh, maybe Tom, you want to start? Yeah, just a cheap throwaway unit who you have, you know, no aspirations for in terms of great deeds. They're just there to either hinder your opponent's advance, kind of control their movement, maybe throw up the field to chase war machines, but it's just a throwaway unit. Their entire aim is to die doing something useful for mm -hmm. your strategy. Okay. Poor fellow. Uh, how many points is cheap? Um, I generally, I would definitely never spend more than 100 on something I'm just using for chaff, and around 50 is, is the most comfortable, I think. Okay. My beastmen have just awesome chaff in the beastmen list, and I used a lot of it. And generally, about fifty points, you get a good chaff unit. A razor go or five harpies, very useful, very or cheap. Ongoer raiders, exactly, like ones, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, does anybody feel like there's anything more to chaff than what he just mobility. described? Mobility. Exactly. Yeah. So they need to be mobile. Qualities to look mm -hmm. for in chaff. Mobility mm -hmm. is number one. It, yeah. Stuff like fast cav, yeah, a single model that can make as many pivots as it wants while mm -hmm. it's moving. Flying is optimal, yeah, and then also the leadership to function, yeah, outside of that's where yeah. a lot of chaff kind of falls down. And I generally yeah. that's not a deal breaker for me with chaff because if they run away, they run and it's just a cheap unit. But ideally, yeah. if you can get yeah. them to, to stay in the game, yeah, yeah. 
Okay, so uh, so so far we've got between fifty and a hundred points, mm-hmm. uh, ideally with a high movement or fly, mm-hmm. um, and and the, the being able to, to pivot or um, reform as yeah. many times. So it has to be well. Fast so if it's fast really. cav, it gets to do that, or if it's a single model, it gets to do that, or, or if it's a skirmisher, yeah. Yeah. right? Yeah. So that's really the quality you're looking for. Okay, so if our upper limit is a hundred points. Um, you know, you can get a reasonable unit for a hundred points. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so do you then have like light chaff and heavy chaff? You do. Although in terms of heavy chaff, I would go a little higher than a hundred points. Even heavy chaff is something that you would want to be able to use to at least slow down yeah. an enemy's advance for a turn or two. It's I think, not... I think the, the difference would be, um, people who want to do multiple small unit armies, and people who just need chaff in their army. So yeah. chaff is there to support um, bigger, more elite units. And the stuff where you start breaking over 100 points, that's where you're starting to get into something that should be used it's actually a unit a as a unit. Yeah. <laughs> so it would just be one of your small units. Yeah, and, and, so, and if you're going to have a bunch of those, then you need to consider that like an MSU, right. of, you know, multiple right. small unit army. So my Beastmen mm-hmm. is essentially two big, very fighty hordes. Exactly. And then the rest is just complete chaff. So the entire goal is to control my opponent's movement and get my hordes into the exact combats that I want, that yeah. I've picked out at the beginning of the game. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, so in that case, uh, you actually have a chaff strategy. Yeah. Right. So the chaff you, is a huge part of this. You you are uh, uh, using the chaff to to redirect charges that mm-hmm. you don't want. Right. And to take out units that that could potentially uh, redirect you. Right. And I can have so much chaff that at the beginning of the game, if I see a unit that I don't really want to take on in the game at all, I can start redirecting it turn two almost and. Um, just ensure that it can never get close to me for the whole game, essentially. Okay. A big block of um, Mournfang would be an example. Just start throwing harpies in front of them at the beginning. The Ooh. best they can do is... Somebody's cell phone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, the best they can do is advance a couple of inches each turn, wiping out a unit of harpies. Okay. Um, and so... So that's that that's almost like the ultimate chaff strategy yeah, right exactly. there. Yeah, exactly. That's a heavy heavy investment in chaff. So then we have at the other end of the spectrum, well, presumably at the other end of the spectrum you'd have a no chaff army. Exactly. Is that viable? Which is what we saw a lot in the tournament. I saw a I few think. of them in the tournament. Two of my well, one was a kind of MSU army, but one army I faced was a couple of big fighty units but with nothing to to help them in terms of yeah, chaff. I think it is viable. You um, think? And it's going to be dependent on everybody else you're playing against or <clears throat> the meta but um uh, in air quotes yeah i mean if nobody's taking chaff then, well, yeah. then you don't need chaff then but you if you're playing someone with chaff and all you have is a few big fighty units yeah. there's yep. no way to prevent somebody yeah. just controlling and, your movement i reworked my entire list while after i faced tom after he just redirected my units the entire game and i just couldn't yeah. do anything because yeah. i just couldn't get in there and he only had a few chaff and i didn't have any yeah so and it, it showed it was yeah, yeah like um so michael who got fourth he actually had really no chaff technically chaff units in his army everything was did he have a lot of units though uh he had like three units of demigriffs which mm. you know can function 
as chaff because you can right. redirect with them. You can hold up units or or force them. You to can go also kick a lot of butt with, with them. them. Yeah, and you, you know. can start just wiping out your opponent's chaff really early if yeah. you have yeah. so, punchy, fast units. So there's there's you know, you don't need chaff necessarily. Right. Like I don't, I'm not necessarily sure that a, a warrior's army would need chaff. You know, that's interesting because uh, I mean I think of uh, Byron who came third. Uh, he runs chaff in his warriors' armies. He does, yeah. You know, he he usually runs like marauder horsemen or or uh, the uh, demonet. I don't know the, the steeds of Slanesh. He's got steeds of Slanesh. There's, there's Hell's yeah, riders. Yeah. Hell's riders. Yeah, but I yeah. think he actually puts a character in there, and at that yeah, point, it's true. not chaff. That's true. It's right. not John um, He does use the the hounds though. Yep, um, and and if he kind of uses the uh, forsaken as he like a heavy chaff, as a kind unit. of chaff, yeah. yeah. Um, although they are um, like it's it's six models in there, that's going to be you know over the hundred point mark, I think, or mm. very close. Yeah, and he actually counts on those doing some damages. He uses yeah. them as a smart missile more than just chaff. Yeah. So yeah. Um, so and it's interesting to me because uh, uh, so playing wood elves and. Uh, Lizardman is the next army. Uh, you know the the dryads in the Wood Elf army, right? They're twelve points a model. You get you get eight in the minimum unit size. It's ninety six points. So you know they kind of fit under that hundred point to be throwaway, but they do they can do a lot of damage, right? Mm -hmm. And so this They're is why I was asking about this heavy <clears throat> chaff idea. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's just more of an MSU kind of deal, though, right? Because dryads fill a slightly different role because they're not real you know they're skirmishers so they can reform but they're not really maneuverable enough to get up the field and start kind of manipulating your opponent's movement early in the game no, which is what that's I why like you have chat. your eagles Great that's eagles, why you yeah. have your eagles yeah. so eagles you are your general strategy yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah um i think the thing that that probably trips up the most uh, uh trips up new players the most is is how you use the chaff and how you position them, especially the flyers, mm -hmm. such that you you actually force your opponent to charge you in the front, mm -hmm. um, which then creates a wheel that that spins them off at ninety degrees, prevents or, them from getting closer to you through overrunning. Mm -hmm. Exactly, prevents an overrun. Um, so, uh, is it? I think it's worthwhile we, we kind of talk through a little bit how to do that. Yeah, go on. <laughs> So, so Tom, I've seen you do this very effectively. So, why don't you kind of talk us talk us through? Yeah. Well, so the rule is that when somebody is going to charge a unit or a model, they have to go into the facing of that unit or model in which the charging unit has the majority of its models. Right. So then, all I need to do is some. Let's think of like a razor gore or an eagle. It's a single model on a fifty mil square base. You can push it, and let's say we're trying to redirect a big horde. Okay, you so can... we've got a big rectangle and a small square. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> we can visualize this. Yeah, we can visualize this. So you push the razor go right up towards that big horde, slightly off the center of the horde, yep. and then just turn it sideways so it's looking laterally, kind of directly along the, along front. the front of the horde. It's yep. not quite in its It's point. kind of, yeah. You're just looking kind of parallel to the front of that horde. Okay. And you just place it in such a way that when you draw your lines out from the corners of that model to work out the facing of it, more than 50% of the models in that horde yep. are in its front arc. Okay. So now when somebody charges it, that whole horde has to wheel all the way around 
and come into the front of that razor gore. Yep. Even though there's, say, three models who look like they should just be able to charge directly into his flank. Yep. Actually, the whole unit has to wheel around. Yep. Okay. Cool. So now you've turned them all out of position, and if they want an overrun, it's likely they're just overrunning kind of along the side. into the yeah. rest, you know, towards mm -hmm. the rest of their army rather than my army, which is the entire point. Yep. So, so that's that's <clears throat> kind of like redirecting one hundred and one right, right there. Um, now, uh, so let let's talk a little bit about how you how you can deal with that as the like as the horde owner. Yeah. Um, so I think you know. First off, obviously you you can charge and yeah. swing around and and do what oh, now it's my fault. Uh, do what whatever that uh, that redirector wants you to do. Oh God, <laughs> I'm gonna have to edit this section out. Basically, your only other option is to take a reform and just walk past them. Right. But then they're free to come come around and, and do, do it the again. Exact same thing again. Yeah. But the best the thing to do, you know, people. An inexperienced player would often think that sh using whatever shooting, whatever magic they have on cheap throwaway units is just a waste of their shooting. Like, why do that when you can focus on the expensive stuff? Yeah. But probably one of the best things you can do early in the game shoot is off use the chaff. whatever shooting or magic missiles you have available to you, shoot off the chaff. Yeah. Like, it's, facing my beastmen... It's a lot of points, usually. A yeah, lot of the, players will usually have... Two or three hundred points of chaff. Right, and, and you, you can, can just, get that right away. And sometimes, you, you know, if it's the chaff that I'm that I would use for my beastman that has low leadership, you can sometimes cause a chain yeah. panic. Yeah. But most of all, it just takes away like the tool that I was going to use to manipulate the whole game. Yeah, and a fireball at a unit of harpies is likely going to do enough damage that they're either useless or run away so <laughs> yeah <laughs> absolutely like pick on that chaff at the beginning of the game mm -hmm. make sure don't give it a chance to ruin your entire mm -hmm. okay movement so so then aside from redirecting right so that's one of the main uses mm -hmm. but then the other thing that you've done there is is let's say you've done exactly what you just described and the horde player says okay charge and then swings around you've exposed your flank to to presumably the, the, the well. presumably the battle line of uh, right. the army and or the rear, yeah. You exactly. can take some solace as the charging player that you you're going to kill that chaff and then be able to um, reform and face yeah. your enemy again. Mm -hmm. But the sucky thing is you've wasted a whole turn moving, say, one inch total forward yeah. after yeah. getting that kill, reforming. Mm -hmm. You're probably pretty much exactly where you started. Um, yeah. So so that makes redirecting uh, against frenzied units even better because they cannot reform they can they have to overrun have so to then overrun. they're overrunning towards the rest of their army probably yeah, yeah. yeah. so something for you to bear in mind when sure. you take that frenzied uh, character is, is i don't know you talk chat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and one thing that i think players need to do is not fall for the chaff bait a lot of times people will see chaff out in front and be like oh i can just kill that thing so easy and then they just charge right in there not knowing that how runs away. how po things position or that the opponent could flee with it if they're not um, yep. prevented from it in some way and um so that comes with experience unfortunately unless you are one of those rare people who can read the rule book and automatically mm. understand Just that no tactics yeah. immediately but um it is experience yeah because sure. you know that's I think really what it comes down to is, you know, the more the pl people play games against chaff, the more they're going to understand it mm -hmm. and how it how it works. But yeah, because the first time I encountered it, I was 
I was dumbfounded. I was like, oh man, that person just dominated me in the movement phase. <laughs> yeah. And and the game really comes down to the movement phase. Yeah, so for sure. um Yeah. So that actually that actually leads on to the next kind of question I wanted to talk about around that is, you know, how much chaff should you have in your army? Um we kind of touched a little bit on it where you said, you know, you can have a viable uh no chaff army. Some but can, yeah. but I think I think in order to do that, you have to have fast-moving, punchy units mm -hmm. that can take out. Chaff, I think it boils right? down to what is going to be, what's the fight, what part of your army is going to be earning the points, and if it does boil down to a case, what's your win condition? Yeah, it, yeah, if it boils, if it's a case like the Beast Men, so you have two big hordes who you're looking to score your points for, you, I think they need a lot of support, yeah. chaff-wise, yeah. in order to make sure they get the matchups they want. If you have an army with lots of small units of fighty cavalry so you have lots of units who you're trying to use to score your points then they can do well less. With, with less chaff yeah, yeah. okay yeah. um okay so does every army have chaff um i've got a lot yeah what's uh, uh, what's chaff in the demon army oh obviously the chaos furies chaos furies beast, beast of nurgle yeah. um steed oh, of, of slanesh Mm -hmm. Man, Beasts of Nurgle. Beasts of Nurgle are so good. Yeah, uh, they yeah. are. I hate them. <laughs> They're so good. They yeah. don't die. They don't even, die. They just, even Nurglings to a point. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I like Nurglings to compress them. Yeah, swarms are really good. Like, yeah. Mm. I'm pretty sure that. Uh, well, I think dwarves uh, under this yes. rule book are the only ones that don't really have chat. Good example um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, dwarves really struggle. In yeah, that department. To, to get something out there. I think everybody else would be able to kind of throw something yeah. something out in front of them, um, you know, if they are willing to invest in it. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Uh, all right. So um, are there any risks in taking, like, too much chaff? Well, yeah, because it's so easy to kill. People can yeah. pretty you easily can grab up those points. You know? Yeah, Right. The risk is having allocated your points in a non-optimal way and then yeah. not having enough killy points on the you table. You come up against yeah. a ballistic skill um, gun line and you could put all your chaff out there and depending on, you know, depending on the, the gun line and the, the type of chaff, they could take all your chaff off in two turns and and that could be, you know, if you put 600 points in chaff, you're 600 points down. Right. And, and say that gets shot off and you're facing a shooty army, then they use their chaff. Your mm -hmm. punchy units get nowhere and just get shot to bits for yep. the rest of the game. Okay. So good, do we think there's like oh, so go ahead. good line of the uh, the purple sun? Just yeah. take them out. <laughs> yes. Just go. Do we, all the chaff. I set you free. <laughs> <laughs> Do we think there's a uh, like a percentage points limit that you would mm. you would look at a list and go, ooh, that's maybe too chaffy now? I'm chafing. <laughs> that's a. I, I guess I'm not. I wouldn't be that good of a player to determine that. But yeah. yeah. I again, it would depend on what the rest of the army is made up of. Um, I I love using a, a lot of chaff mm -hmm. just because as long as it has versatility, mm -hmm. as long as it's not something you uh, in your head it's just there for redirecting. You know if you're going to be able to throw it up for war machine hunting, um, if you can build versatility in other ways. For example, with an orc and goblin army, if your chaff is a little goblin boss on a wolf, mm -hmm. if you can give him 
the you know two up ward against fire or something the right equipment to shut down whatever unit you guess has the flaming banner yeah so just other ways to build utility into that chaff then i think you can spend a pretty good percentage and um yeah okay and it's not a waste all right and you found what what's you found a really good item for that exact example of uh somebody on a wolf it's like a shield that gives shield you of tolos. shield of tolos yeah. gives yeah. you a two up against one, shooting one up against one, shooting uh, one yeah. up against well shooting, yeah effectively so. two because you'd always fail on the one so right. yeah, yeah you're getting the two up you're getting the two up against shooting you take the um the pendant that gives you flaming resistance the dragon yeah, the bane, dragon bane yeah. um, and i think i put this on a on a night goblin war boss so you had the flying carpet <laughs> the shield the pendant and a relic sword and he just flew around <laughs> no you uh, th- you had him against me in, in our battle and i had a, a unit of 20 archers with the flaming banner and i think he also had i think he had the fear sword so that he, oh, he yeah. caused fear, so he wasn't afraid of the elves. Yeah. And he, he just flew down, and like I shot him with, I don't know how many shots, and couldn't wound him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I could wound him just fine, but couldn't get past his one-up armor save and yeah. and, uh, and two-up ward. Yeah. It was pretty uh, pretty fun. It was it was epic. And then, uh, <laughs> and then yeah, so I retooled that guy to um, the war boss that rides the, the cave squig. The, but the problem with... Um, that build is it's not i can't control where he goes so it's not truly good right. chaff mm-hmm. he's just like something i throw out there and if he does something in the game it's it's a bonus if he doesn't isn't that the entire night goblin army though, it basically really? is so when <laughs> so I, is, it, is it not is it un night goblinly to have somebody on a wolf will you not do wolves? oh yeah no that's not no a wolf night, oh, yeah, that's, yeah no so <laughs> that's a regular no, goblin no, no, no. yeah in the night goblin army there actually really isn't chaff if you mm. wanted, you would have if to. If you want to do pure the, night goblins. Yeah, the smallest unit you could take would be twenty night goblins, and then. <laughs> yeah, that that's a that's a sixty point chaff unit. Yeah, but yeah. it just has yeah. no menu. Doesn't have the the kind of reform and and, want to have and it would suffer from animosity that, that yeah. could affect <laughs> the big unit that it's trying to trying yeah. to help. So. And and your 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 mangler squigs are random movement and yeah. they don't you can't redirect for them because you can't charge yeah. them. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so no chaff for you. No, I mean, you can, can count fanatics and things like that. They, they do control the movement phase because people know they're there and they yeah. have to avoid them. But And they can destroy other people's chaff. Right. But they're not technically chaff. So if I wanted to have chaff, I'd need to start adding goblins or s- snotlings or, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Filthy goblins. Yeah. I, I guess technically snotlings are, are, are kosher for uh, night snotlings. Somebody's got a cell phone. That one's not me, I don't think. But um, not me. I'll throw it away anyway. Yeah, Yeah, I don't know. Sorry about that, everybody. Um, maybe it's just in our headphones and everybody's going, "What the heck's everybody talking?" I guess I I should change what I said. I do in my Las Vegas list because I was forced to drop Skarsnik. I did pick up stuff that can be used as chaff, and that is a bunch of Night Goblin war bosses just with great weapons so cheesy ricky yeah i know they're, they're like 34 <laughs> points and i with took a great weapon yeah i took four of those and then one more that just has the fear sword so um those those guys you know they're 34 points i could run them out in front of a unit as long as they don't 
you know, the unit they're in doesn't have animosity, they turn that I'm needing to pop them out or something. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, so I could use those to redirect if I need to or, or do I, something weird. But are you only allowed to have one character at a time leave a unit? Um, to charge, yes. To charge, yes. But yes. but they can they could all multiple move out. multiple can leave at once in the yeah. movement phase. But as soon as a character leaves a unit, that unit can't move. Yeah. If I move, if no, I'm the not. unit can move still. They just can't. If the, the unit has moved, a character can't then leave it. Oh, okay. But the characters uh, can all leave there was something move, like that, and then yeah. the unit can okay. move too. All right. Cool. All right. Anything else we want to talk about in regards oh, to chaff? Oh, yeah. yeah. Another great use of chaff is just as drops on the table in of the course, deployment. Yeah, deployment. The deployment, the deployment turn, we can call it a turn, is the most important turn of the entire battle, I think. Mm -hmm. yeah. Again, because in that, you know, if you have a lot of drops, you again engineer the matchups you want when it comes to putting down your fighty units. Mm -hmm. Pr pretty much every game I've lost big on, I lost it in the deployment yeah. phase. Yeah. Exactly. Just from making a stupid mistake about where I put something. So so you have eight drops just through chaff, stuff you don't really care about and is maneuverable enough to get it where you want anyway, no matter where you put it down. Then it could be that your opponents laid their entire army out before you need to put anything of real value down on the table. Which can be important if, if they're playing artillery exactly. and you've got monsters, you mm -hmm. know, you can then place it so that you're out of range or, or protected behind, behind the building. building exactly. or, or again, to use the example of the Beastman, if it's all out, I'll look for the... God, it's um, all about the Beastman. It's just a, a good example, I think, because I use so much chaff with that yeah, army. The Chaos Dwarfs, I'm still yet to learn how to best use my chaff with that army, I think. Yeah, it's mm. Kadai Destroyer is a big piece of chaff. <laughs> big bit of chaff, yeah. <laughs> He's pretty maneuverable. Yeah. He can redirect stuff. Everything yeah. runs away from him. <laughs> <laughs> but if you forced your opponent to lay their entire army out, then my, you know, my best of goals, which are great at smashing anything with heavy armor, I put them down, you know, facing... The most armored unit and just kind of engineer the matchups that way the ultimate piece of chaff is going to be the uh the giant sparkle party too. exactly oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. i yeah. mean charging a lot of chaff with that giant could be great because it's oh, yeah. going to be kills every round and a lot of different attacks, well you're just going to be maybe. feeding your opponent um points points on the on, yeah. the, <laughs> on the chart if you hit it with chaff no i mean as as somebody use, as using the giant, it'll be great to just attack Take all your chaff. enemies oh, yeah, chaff yeah, yeah. early on, <laughs> yeah. hit all the Did chaff, wipe it out, get as many attacks as you can. Can you overrun just, with the giant? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then just keep attacking? Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. Well, not on the same turn. Oh. Unless, yeah. unless You can only do that well, once per turn. You can overrun into combat? Yeah. There's another great use of chaff. Throw it into the front of something that you think you're going to be able to get an overrun into. Yeah. Um, because then, and then resolve that combat afterwards and you're big unit that you've got the overrun with can then fight again yeah. and if you don't get that overrun it's just chaff and it died so who cares? yeah <laughs> if you get the overrun then you've got a flank attack exactly and, and a bunch and a know, bunch extra combat res again. potentially yeah yeah all right oversized meatball okay so we're going to wrap it up now um i think uh, we've we've covered off uh everything we wanted to get in this episode um we've degenerated to making random noises of each other and giggling <laughs> yes it's probably time to wrap it up give a nerd a microphone and a pair of headphones and this is what you get <laughs> slurp noises and, and anyway okay so uh we have a twitter account now um it is at cascade podcast so if you want to get in touch with us you can uh certainly 
send us a message via that. I have, uh, I'll be manning the phone. Yeah. Um, or whatever it is, manning the keyboard. Um, so dude, stop making noises. Shh. Come on, Ricky. <laughs> uh, we also have the, so we have the blog at <laughs> dimensionalcascade.com slash blog. Um, what I'd like to start doing on there is maybe cross posting, um, things that we put in other places. So, um, for example, maybe, uh, Ricky's table painter stuff. Um, if that's okay with them, uh, yeah, it should be fine. Um, uh, I usually, I usually post that in my forge section cause I have a painting log in there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's just that people can subscribe to the blog, whereas it's, uh, you know, and mm. people don't necessarily want to sign up for the forum because forum is, is at least 50% local stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, that's true. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I want to have like anything that's reasonable content. I want to put it on the blog, uh, like any of the tutorials or stuff like that. Um, that we do and uh like i wrote a demons tactica the other day for the wood elf forum and I'm like i should probably just put that on the blog things like that um so yeah we've got we've got twitter we've got the blog and we've got the forum at dimensionalcascade.com and uh, you can always email us at podcast at dimensionalcascade.com was the wood elf tactic of a beating demons like yeah. dig a hole and hide until the new army book comes out <laughs> it, it, it wasn't but it was close uh it basically said take a two-up magic word. wait until no. we have asf <laughs> and we'll come back yeah i did actually say that i did take say, a two-up magic take word. a two-up magic word. be a jerk um but but i think the main the main tactic for wood elves was yeah avoid shoot and then combo charge Mm-hmm. Uh, it's pretty much the only way you can deal with it's what you did to me and it worked all. really well yeah <laughs> well it, i had a lot of chaff isn't that what wood elves do with every game uh, pr- pretty much yeah. <laughs> he's, he's gonna write rinse one for, and repeat uh, rinse and repeat uh, what i was talking about with the hedgehog you know you're just gonna do find and replace yeah. for you know yeah. Yeah. Demons copy to paste. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh okay cool so i think we've degenerated into uh you know wood elf bashing and uh, once, once we get to that point I, i'm gonna call it a day so right. thanks, <laughs> very much out. thanks very much for listening everyone and uh, we'll see you next time on episode three